mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello and welcome back, my fellow Westorians. It's another Monday, another review. Spoiler free. As all Mondays are, our spoiler-filled episodes are Saturdays at 3, if you didn't know. We're halfway through the season now. This episode is called We Light the Way. A lot of new plot lines introduced, a lot of battle lines drawn, and we say goodbye to several of the actors, but not several of the characters. Only one character actually died this episode. (laughs) But surely there'll be more. Last week, for our spoiler episode, we had Direwolf City. This week, we'll have Dr. Kavita Finn, who is a medievalist, so that should be a lot of fun. A little bit different than our usual style of guest. We're all sure to learn something, so make sure you tune in for that. Also, make sure to watch our synopsis episodes before each live stream. They're first released as audio only. The video takes a little longer to get out, but usually by the end of Monday, the video is up. You can check that out to prepare yourself for the week-long discussions about this episode. There's always so much to say, so it pays to kind of get a handle on it all first, and that's the point of the synopsis. Shout out to Jeff 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 Gnarly, the long snapper, History of Westeros' first sword, and Dragonlord Eric the Evening Shade, Lord of the Groves and Defender of Stigai, Rider of Ixodes Scapularis the Bloodthirsty, a dragon with purple scales and wings, with a red underside, black horns, and green eyes. Look at that last part, black and green. Mm Mm-hmm, you know where that's headed. We've got a little plug to share with you. A friend of ours over at the Agora Podcast Network has put out a book. I want to make sure you all are aware of it, so check out this brief plug. Hello, Agora Podcast family. This is Dr. Gary Chahot. You might know me as the host of the French History Podcast, the show that tells the history of France from three million years ago to present. What you might not know is that I am also a fiction author. Two years ago, my debut novel, The Maiden Voyage of New York City, was published, telling the story of a future post-flood NYC floating on the waves, and the conspiracy to bring it down. Last month, my second novel, The Afghan Wedding, came out and tells the bizarre, darkly comedic story of Avisa Fatah, a young woman from the desert of death in western Afghanistan whose wedding night is interrupted by a sudden firefight that ends with her disappearing and reappearing at a secretive U.S. military base at the South Pole. If you want to support indie fiction and my bizarre stories sound appealing to you, please check them out. Now, enjoy the show. 
Well, that's fitting. Dr. Gary is the host of the F- History of France podcast, the French History podcast, rather, and he's a great guy. That sounds kind of familiar. A woman having uh, unexpected violence at a wedding and uh, <laughs> doing some other desert of death. Yeah, that, uh, yeah, that's pretty fitting. Right up our alley there. Let's start with our three by three, as we usually do. But first, Sean, what are you drinking today? Anything special? Anything strange? Probably, yes. I just have this green drink. <laughs> and a black shirt. You are very... Uh... I have all the colors in a shirt, to be fair. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, last week on our Facebook poll, which, as always, is a great place to join the discussion where you can find creative terms like crispy coleslaw to refer to Kristen Cole. Hmm. <laughs> yes, or, uh, yeah, other fun stuff like that. Last week, like I said, Millie Alcock again won our actor poll 40 percent of the respondents picked her 16 percent picked emily carey and 14 percent picked patty considine honorable mention to billy the kid blackwood for his memorable brief performance yeah you can also join us on discord where we have great discussions going as well pick whichever is your preferred method or both if you like that I'll start with the highlight performance. I'm going to say Emily Carey again. I think this is my third time picking her. I'm just very enamored of her way of barely contained emotion, the way she projects subtle emotions that she's clearly trying to keep control of, but can't fully keep control of. And this episode, she stepped out a little more. We saw her in a little bit more take charge mode. Being the queen, right? And actually dominating and show, taking everyone's attention, interrupting her husband and being not at all apologetic for it. It was pretty cool. Sorry to see her go, though. <laughs> Apparently we won't unless we get flashbacks. That's the last we'll see of her. So I wanted to give her one last one last praise, bit of praise there. What about you, Shay? I'm going to say Emily Carey again, specifically nice. for her her upset in the rain phase, oh, which yeah. like did, did, both made me feel for her and being sad that Otto left, but also made me laugh at her a little bit because it was just a very extreme phase, so I, I appreciated it. Yeah, she's a very serious person. The character is very serious, so she felt that pain of because it wasn't just the pain of losing her father, but her role in it, right? Like her, she takes... She, blames herself in part for it so yeah really wore that emotion well good call sean what about you are you also picking emily carey or do you have someone else to go i am (laughs) nice i'm I'm picking her too yeah uh, (laughs) she she did uh release some emotions this time right crying there with her father in the rain and and she also as you were saying uh something i appreciate is her kind of you could see the emotions are there, but she's trying to control them. And like a, it, was, it was just last episode, we saw a little anger come through when she was talking to uh, Rhaenyra, right? And But this time when she's talking to Kristen Cole, she actually turned away from him to not reveal the emotions that were coming through. Yeah. That was a, a really great moment, a great scene. Sure. And I also want to point out, just like almost every other episode, it's close. It's not like she's good and the others suck. It's really close between her and Millie Alcock and Patty also. I think that they all did. I, and I... 
I'm begrudging him on picking uh, Matt Smith either. I think he does. A, I, I think I he think, may get cooler scenes, if that makes sense. So <laughs> it might be a little easier to pick him sometimes. Yeah, he's probably the least prominent this episode. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I think Fabian Frankel did an amazing job as well. Like, you yeah. can really see, like, that's the exact... The Christian, Cole Christian Cole Yeah, you can just see the moments when his heart, like, just breaks. Yeah. <laughs> it's like Ralph <laughs> from The Simpsons, yeah. right? You can yeah. see, pinpoint the moment where yeah. his heart splits in two. <laughs> yeah. uh, <laughs> Ouch. Yeah. yeah. Great, great acting all around as usual. Okay, so highlight plot scene moment. I think that's the first time we all picked the same character. I think we've we've had two before. I don't know that all I don't know that we all picked the same Yeah, I think before. you're right. I think it is, yeah. It's pretty cool. Good job, Emily Carey. Highlight plot scene. I'm gonna say drift mark. So much scenery. It was very book accurate, which is always a big plus for me and for a lot of us. That had the causeway, which is supposed to be uh, part of its construction. We read about that in the book. When tide is low, you can cr- you can cross it. When tide is high, you can't. It's a little river runish where the the level of water affects you know the situation with the castle, whether the causeway can be seen. It's also a little bit like that miniature castle that Bran and and Mira and Jojen hid at when the Free Folk Raiders were trying to get to them, and they couldn't find their way across the causeway. Because it was hidden by darkness and water, and so they just gave up. But similar kind of concept, something that's in the real world. Yeah, I think they had that problem when they were filming this in reality that the the, the tides, tides cooperate. Yeah, yeah, they had, some, <laughs> they had some stuff float away and stuff like that. Um, I remember specifically during the filming process last year or whatever, um, seeing like a series of really funny photos of like some, something getting getting it just getting. Uh, drawn away, away. yeah, and like the, everyone, like the, the crew members are like ah, and they're running after it and trying to stop like this the tides from taking it. It is called drift uh, mark, so stuff just drifts yeah. away. Yeah, I did seem to remember in one of the behind the scenes bits that I saw where you know they filmed the crab feeder stuff, where they started to film the crab feeder stuff out there, and they ended up just building a beach on a set because it was less hassle to build a beach than to actually film because of the tide coming in. Yeah, they needed to control the daylight and the weather weather and all that. Yeah, that's that's wild to think about. Yeah, that it's easier to build a fake beach than to (laughs) use the real one. Like, really? Yep, really. (laughs) Shay, what about you? What was your highlight moment? My highlight moment was Lena Valarian. I've said it in the past, but here here she is again. I could have done with more of her. I expected to maybe see a little more of her, but I I'll take what I can get. And we got her greeting Rhaenyra and then them going off to breakfast together, which was a nice yeah. little moment for me because I, I can fill in a lot of gaps in my own head. Like just having the scene where we're like, oh, no, like they're friends and going to become friendlier. I can fill the rest in. That's that's fine. Um but also the scene of her um and Damon as well. Um like we had, we had a few scenes with Lena. Um, she's yeah. a fan favorite and one of my favorites. So. She uh, it seems like Damon was a bit taken by her, and why not? That is an extremely lovely person. <laughs> yeah, I mean, she's wow. making eyes at him across yeah, she, the table. Yeah. Like, it's not a one way like, like, <laughs> flirt. Like, there, <laughs> <laughs> that's a two way street. I right mean, here. yeah, I mean, think about it. We saw in in episode two or whatever when we met Lena as her, her younger self. We saw that she. Um, was really into dragons and dragon riders. And then here we go, her talking to Damon and she's like, Oh, a Targaryen prince, a dragon rider. She's like, I should be really into you. She's like, am I? Yes, I am. Yeah. It gave him little barbs and all that. No. So I'm I'm excited to see more of Lena going forward. It it was, it was, 
you know, the kind of like frontal banter where she's like keeping pace with him, you know, not not at all no. like overwhelmed by his presence, like treating him like an equal, which is he doesn't get that a lot. <laughs> you know, interesting that there was I don't know if she was parring, matching wits with him. I don't know how to say it exactly, but uh, Rhaenyra was also right. She yeah. took the lead. Like, why don't you pull out your sword and go hack down? Take me now. You know, yeah. Yeah. challenging him. That was cool. I, 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 got a flurry of thoughts here like just thinking i'm sure everything will work out great with the game on or Lana relationship everything it reminds me of someone a tweet that i saw i wish i knew who to give credit to but it was uh, you know it was like you know Dame on every episode, and it's the image of the Allstate guy that wreaks havoc. The guy from Oh yeah, (laughs) (laughs) the guy from Thirty Rock. Yeah, yeah. Sean, what was your pick? Uh, Mine was the uh, conversation. By the way, it was tough because there were several that I really loved. Several moments, and almost all just like these conversations, like the one with Lionel Strong and uh, Viserys. Yeah, Mm. about legacy, about the idea of his legacy. What that was really good. But the one that wins it for me was his son. Laris mm-hmm. Strong oh, yeah. and uh, Alicent mm-hmm. in Godswood. That was a good That was scene. really clever. Yeah, it, he was like so perfectly tactful. But she <laughs> still kind of saw through, you know, what's your mission? What are you trying to tell me here? And he did a good job of both uh, fishing and planting, if that makes yeah. sense. Ooh, He's trying to get point. information, yeah. <laughs> but also plant information. And it's, 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 it's a little ambiguous to me whether or not he's supposed to be sinister. I, I want to think... He's a good guy and an ally, but maybe there's even some question whether or not Allison is a good guy. So being an ally to her might not. I don't know. I'm sure the show is trying to make it tough for us to to tell. I'm sure yes. a lot of people who read the books maybe already have their minds made up. Uh, no, but I'm lean, happening in front of a weirwood, yeah. the heart tree yeah. again too. That's yeah, that's yeah. Real. Well, we'll have more to say anyway, about I him. That was a, <clears throat> We'll definitely yeah, have more. Very to Very intriguing, him. And telling, interesting, well performed, well written scene. I loved everything about yeah, it. Yeah, it was really, really good. I totally agree with you. I, I came close to picking that one as well. I'm glad you did. But yeah, well, like I said, we'll come back to that shortly. Can I give another shout out to my other highlight scene? Yeah. Was um, the scene where they addressed the Valarian Targaryen naming, uh, oh, naming, yeah. deci- Just naming decision all with, that out with, with Corlys and Viserys and Rhaenys and then leading into the, the details. Yeah, the yeah. details. Them actually working out yeah. the details. Something that as podcasters, we've gotten that question countless times yeah. and I've had to explain mm how that works countless times and here the show just did that work for us so that was really cool um confirming something that like we all just was like yeah that just makes perfect sense but here they laid it out it's an an episode full of bad assumptions which i think is one of the main themes of the episode this was one of the few things that was not taken for granted (laughs) all that detail you're describing right now chorus is like well let's work out these details first there's some uh, even he made bad assumptions Pretty much everyone did. All the main characters made some bad assumptions. <laughs> but that was one thing as a notable exception to the rule of bad assumptions in this episode. He was like, well, let's clarify all this. And yeah, you're right. It worked super well because, like Ashea said, a lot of a lot of us needed clarification on that, too. I, I got to point out, though, I'm still a little suspicious because this is an agreement that they just made with very few people around most of whom might be dead by the time this matters. Yeah. Well, I'll note that Lionel Strong was there. The Hand of the King was there in the room. He may have passed that info on. I would like to think that Lionel would make sure this was written down, that this is this is recorded recorded in some way, but we don't see that happen. We don't know that that happened. Like, make sure, yeah, like, just because it's agreed to doesn't mean everyone, yeah, will be adhered to. I would also like to think 
that Rhaenyra doesn't hook up with Harwin, now making Lionel look as biased as Otto. Ah, and, ha, ha, ha. So if he comes forward with this rule, it's like, oh, of course you would say that or not say that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah that, would, that would cause but some then, compromise, I think it's the same, same problem with Rhaenyra. By the time this decision that's been made now matters, the people who agreed on it might not be around, right? Like I mean, you're uh, you're onto something there because that's exactly what caused Otto to be compromised, basically. I mean, he more walked into it himself. He pushed his yeah. daughter into that, whereas you're in your scenario, you're saying you're not ascribing Lionel's intent to Harwin and Rhaenyra at all, but it would still look bad for him if it happened, yeah. even whether he set it up or not. Good point. Highlight dragon moment. I'm just going to say there weren't a lot of dragons in this one. There were dragons. They were pretty notable. I'm going to say just the array of the dragons in the distance with the ships. It was just so grand and glorious. Like the Valarians really making their big play with the black sails. That's really notable, by the way. It, that's expensive as heck. Dyed sails. That's a lot of fabric. <laughs> Sales are real and expensive. And a lot of dye. Yeah, a lot of, yeah, exactly. That is, those are expensive. <laughs> of course, not as expensive as dragons, probably. But hey, <laughs> this goes to show this whole thing is just the wealth and power on display is, is top level, top notch. We haven't seen this kind of display before. And that's what Viserys was aiming for. And the Valarians were apparently all keen to uh, keep up the appearances along with him. So that's good stuff. Shay, what do you think? They made a bold entrance into court. They also oh, made yeah. a bold entrance into King's Landing. Yeah, they really did. Full pomp and circumstance, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'll say that uh, I put Maylise up on the screen, so getting a proper shot of Maylise with Rhaenys to top her um, was a highlight for me. I was expecting to see one more dragon here, so my my really, the dragons were more disappointing to me than anything, <laughs> I have to say. Yeah. Um, but I, the jury's not out with uh, what they'll do with that yet, so... I won't be disappointed forever. Yeah, we know we know it's coming. Sean, yeah. what about you? I I might have a slightly contrarian opinion, but my it was a highlight to me that there weren't really any dragons. Yeah. This show was awesome without dragons. I prefer the intrigue and a drama to fire and blood, if you will. <laughs> so, <laughs> okay with it. Yeah, okay, yeah. And, and certainly this was a great episode, and you're right. It you could take out those dragons and it wouldn't have it's a just big in. impact. Sean likes Game of the Game of Thrones more than Fire and Blood. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're not the only one. <laughs> but they did look sweet. <laughs> yeah, it was cool seeing Sea Smoke next to Maylis as you know, Lenor. We've seen Sea Smoke before, but uh, it was our first real good look at Maylis, Rainy's dragon. It's definitely neat that the queen who never was rides a dragon called the Red Queen. Yeah. She did not give that dragon that name. The Red Queen had the name before her. She's not Maylis's first rider. I, I will say, contrarian as I may be, it was pretty cool to sort of dive. You really yeah. got a feel for how fast they can move. And, oh, yeah. And it was, I don't know how to say this, believe, you know, probably the mechanics realistically of a dragon flying don't work out aerodynamically, whatever, but they made me believe it. So that's right really on. Good. Yeah. So, like I said earlier here, assumptions leading to unexpected, generally awful results are a big part of this episode. People filling in the blanks, a lot of people with what they expect or want rather than maybe giving it more cautious thought and thinking about it from other people's perspectives. Otto and Rhaenyra, or sorry, Otto and Rhaenys both assume the realm won't follow Rhaenyra. They won't ri that they will rise against her. Many of them will. Otto assumes the even worse that Rhaenyra will have no choice but to kill Allison's children. And that's important framing. He does. One of the reasons he, he gets through to his daughter finally on that is that, 
he's not trying to get her to believe that your best friend's going to kill your kids. And it's like, she's going to have no choice but to kill your kids. It's not that she's going to want to, which Allison has trouble accepting, but she's like, look, the, the politics, the scenario will demand that she kills your children. It's not that she's going to want to. She's going to have no choice. So he assumes that's going to happen. And she begins to believe that too. Sean? Part, part of that assumption is that she's determined to be queen over anything else. Yes, like that she wouldn't true. choose her friendship or her morals or whatever else Good over point. being queen, which may end up being true at least. But I, I did have that thought when he's like, look, you, you either prepare for Aegon to rule or you cleave. Interesting use the word cleave because that word has two opposite meanings. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> to split apart or to glue together. Um, uh, and, and I remember when he said that, I remember thinking like, I'm not sure that's the only two options. I feel like there's got, that's the nature of compromise. There's got to be some other option yeah, in there. He I might agree. not see it yeah. or he might not want Allison to pursue a compromise because he doesn't think it's likely to work or whatever. But yeah, I think failure there. I, is, there's too much at risk, too much at stake. Yeah. It reminded me when Corliss said, you know, when there's a storm coming, you either sell through it or sell around it. Like, well, can't you turn back or hold in place? There's no way that's the only <laughs> option. <you know? laughs> yeah. And, I almost picked that as my favorite moment because I also thought uh, uh, Reese Ifans like he had a really small role this episode, but that moment of his imploring his daughter was just really well done. He just really communicated it so adamantly and heartfelt, and just look, this is this is your kids' lives at stake here. This is not playtime. This is you got to believe me now. Now, do you believe you you made a mistake? You're seeing the consequences for it. You got to believe me from now on. Yeah, so that that's a really big thing. Now, Allison's other assumption was that this situation with Damon and Rhaenyra was happened. So she brings in Kristen Cole, assuming that maybe he can fill her in. And he assumes she's talking about him. <laughs> that was really well done. This is like, this could have been a sitcom if it was under much different circumstances. Like, oh, you were talking about, oh, you slept with him. Oh, my God. You know, it could have been comedy. Oh, well, I was laughing. It was anything but. Huh. Yeah, we were laughing a little yeah. bit. Like, how is this going to As a out? defense mechanism, I was laughing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it was just like, you really could see this being a comedy plot. But, <laughs> but nope. Uh, prior to that, Allison assumed, as part of the auto situation, she assumed that her father's informer, she's like, okay, well, my father wouldn't lie, and Rainier wouldn't lie, Damon would lie, so it must be the informer that's mistaken or lying. That's her assumption based on her preconceived notions about who could and couldn't lie. Of course, she was wrong about that. Uh, Cole assumes Rainier will run away with him, or at least that this is an acceptable suggestion. Rhaenyra is like, wait, what? <laughs> and she assumes he'll be cool with just having a continued affair that they keep a secret, which he very much is not cool with either. Lanor and Joffrey assume Kristen Cole and Rhaenyra have basically the same arrangement they have. They and assume that, and they also assume that Kristen Cole is her lover. That's, uh, by the way, an assumption as well, which they did. They did get that right, but but the assumption. But that's a jump. But like the the leap yeah. from like this is her lover to let me go talk to this Kingsguard knight as it, like that is very confident in his read of a person. Yeah, that's a little too bold. Yeah, like it was almost arrogant. Like uh, I don't. Like, yeah. He wasn't threatening him. He wasn't like trying to blackmail him or anything but cole might have taken it that way because in his state of is mind that right? i don't think he was but he might have been yeah. and oh, easily Kristen could have taken it that uh, yeah, way. Totally. When, when he's like hey you know if we keep this secret everyone can benefit that's kind of like 
tacit threat, you better keep this secret. Yeah, you know? yeah and I do Christian's think he took head, his paranoid head, but in Joffrey's head, I really think it was truly just like, oh, you're you're the lover of my lover's, lo- you know, lover. Yeah, he's like, like we're you're my, well, uh, you're my hey, metamorph type thing. Yeah, <laughs> like we have both have a vested interest in this. Yeah. Let's talk about it. We're both gonna get what we want out I, of this. Just there's keep no each other's secrets. Yeah. There's just no world in which Joffrey Lonmouth thought that this would lead to a fight or to him being killed or like i don't think he's naive if not arrogant yeah Yeah. he he thought he was doing right like he thought he was playing the role of sworn protector like protecting their relationship as well as like their lives and he thought he was speaking to someone else who was approaching this with the same thing like i want to protect my partner here and do my job but also we get what we want yeah yep sigh (laughs) we're going on a bit of a tangent on this one particular thing but it's also uh uh, Kristan, oh, shoot, I lost my thought. We'll get back to it. I'm sure we'll talk about this more. So. Yeah, we will. Yeah. So Corlys doesn't, as we said, Corlys didn't assume with regard to the details of the succession, but he does assume Lainor will father kids. <laughs> he assumes that his son will get over being gay, which obviously that's not going to happen. And he also assumed his wife wanted justice for being passed over. And she's like, nah, I'm over that. Like, especially not these circumstances. Now we're... You just put us into the Game of Thrones. Our all our kids are now at risk. We're at risk. Like I didn't actually really want that, <laughs> you know. So that may not work out so well. Rhea assumes Damon is there to kill her. Uh, Damon says nothing that entire scene, and he may have been there to kill her, but it's definitely ambiguous. More on that later. Melos assumes his treatments are better than the ones Orwell's. He's Orwell's like, look, man, I got these tinctures. Maybe try these, these poultices, and he's like, no. That won't work, you know. Like, mm. or he might not be assuming; he might be actively denying a better treatment. That's that's and also true. But wonder about that. You're but, right. Yeah. That may be more intentional than assumption. But um, yeah, I will note it's that it's an open question. That um, Orwell leaves Lionel strong with, uh, I guess, some milk of the poppy because he says to help the king sleep, and then he gives it to Lionel, and then Lionel gives it to Viserys. So Orwell is still helping a little. Yeah, and that is Orwell, by the way. If y'all miss that. Um, you'll not mellow book fans yeah the the darker skinned uh, younger yeah. maester is Orwell, and the older maester who sucks is who Melos. i put on screen yeah. is mellows <laughs> yeah so um another one is jason lannister this is a very minor example jason lannister assuming his jokes about women getting ready will be well received but he's not very funny yeah <laughs> <laughs> So, <laughs> but I, but it's funny when people aren't funny because we can make fun of them. <laughs> uh, sworn protector is obviously a big part of this episode as well. Who's protecting who and from what? And what is the duty of a sworn protector? And of course, this gets into the longstanding theme of love versus duty. Love being the death of duty. A very old theme from Game of Thrones. Jon Snow and Aemon are the first ones to put voice to it, but it's all over game of thrones ned and liana and rhaegar and it's just everywhere so it's a it's a the, hallmark game the of love thrones. versus the love versus duty theme is second only to the love versus booty theme. <laughs> yeah that's always <laughs> very prominent as well uh taking sides is a big part of this episode the factions start to form some people just are you know when when the, the battle lines start to get drawn some people are eager to take a side because they've already got they've already made up their mind other people are Hold one way or the other because things eventually become if you're not with us you're against us and neutrality is no longer acceptable we're not there yet but it, you can start to see those signs building with that in mind legacy is also important mostly at this point it's just it's important to Viserys but it's also important to people like Corlys and to a lesser extent some of the other 
uh, lords and ladies around, but they're the ones who were most particularly bringing it up. And Laurie Strong, bringing him back right into it. His point about nature finding a way. There's a lot of ways that plays out, like Damon being out of place in the Vale. He didn't find a place in the Vale. He may still be trying to. These marital arrangements, finding a way. And even though they're not working out so well at first either, it's a similar kind of concept in, in a human uh, venue rather than a plant from Bravos growing in King's Landing in a temperature and climate that it wasn't intended for. A lot of metaphor there. Tell us your favorite themes and patterns, as well as your favorite moments from the episode. Put them in, your, in the comments or comment afterwards if you're not watching live. We'd love to hear from you. Shout out to Joanna Robinson as we go into the Vale. She noted that this scene was filmed in Derbyshire, the same location Wesley and Buttercup have one of their famous scenes from The Princess Bride. So that's cool. Not exactly the same level of romance. <laughs> I was going to ask if that that we could see a castle of sorts in the background in that scene. Do we know what castle that's supposed to be? Probably Runestone. It's, yeah, probably Runestone. She's probably just right by her house at the time, um, her yeah. castle. He probably knew she'd be returning along a certain way and was just waiting for her there. That's my guess. So she must have failed at getting a deer then if she was ah, ah. on the way back home and almost there and didn't have a deer. She did have, yeah, she did have a pheasant though. You can see it kind of hanging yeah, out. Okay. She got something, yeah. <laughs> so the, a funny thing about the runic armor. We were excited about this runic armor and it does look really cool. It looks very cool. And we were, we were talking on Saturday about how maybe David J. Peterson did these runes. Shout out to Zionus on Twitter who Zionius. is Zionius. Zionius, I'm sorry. I said it wrong. Zionius. There's another I in there. Who's also keeper of the SSM. Yeah. This is taken straight from the Wikipedia page on runes. Literally. Yeah, literally, if oh. you search on Google and go to the Wikipedia page, runes, just you runes. will recognize <laughs> these, exact these, these runes. It's just really funny. Uh, I, I think these are the same runes from like the Ultima games as well. Ah, ah, ah. <laughs> Ultima 4 and 5 and all that. The Ultima Lord British and all that. So... They skimped a little bit on this, but I, I find that amusing rather than, you know, something It looks authentic. It, it looks really cool. looks like yeah, runes. Like it does job, maybe they skimped on this source, but not in a presentation. It looks no, awesome. yeah, yeah, it looks Good cool. way to put it. Yeah, it looks but, awesome. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah we, it was too funny. So, as I said, he doesn't say a word this whole scene, just like at the Stepstones and maybe one or two other times. He's cowled, but she knows who he is right away. She's like... I was, we're all sitting there wondering, like, does she know who that is? We know who that is. And she's like, hello, husband. Like, okay, yeah. yep, she knows who that is. <laughs> and it he took me a moment to recognize who it was. Oh, okay. uh, I went through a moment of like, I wonder who this is. Who could it possibly be? Oh, it's Damon. Yeah, I was like, oh, right, of course. It took like one second for all that to click, but that is what I went through, yeah. So it's really ambiguous what his intentions were initially. It's not ambiguous how it ended, of course. She accuses him of being unable to finish, to you know, that they never consummated their marriage, which comes right back to his... It's the third example of his sexual dysfunction. But Ray, I think Ray, it's like the seventh or eighth example, just so you okay, know. Okay, <laughs> yeah, it could be. But Rhea's knowledge of it would predate perhaps all these other examples because yeah, their marriage yeah. would have been a while back. So the fact that they never even consummated the marriage is pretty interesting. What did you think of this scene, Sean? What did you, what did you, what, what do you think his intentions were? It's, 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 it's definitely capturing that. You haven't read Fire and Blood, but you can see how this captures the ambiguity that we, the ambiguity <laughs> that we keep referring to that's in that book of multiple sources. In Fire and Blood, in fact, it's not even hinted at that he did it. 
he was in the Stepstones at war when she died in Fire and Blood. So it's kind of like, how could he have even been involved? I mean, maybe, he could have been involved. Sent someone, but yeah, he could have sent but, someone. But that's harder to do. And it's, you know, it's like sending someone into unfamiliar territory to get away with murder of a lady in her home court. Like, that's hard to pull off. It's possible. There's definitely no way you can say it's impo- it couldn't have happened. But the idea that he went there personally in the book is pretty much off the table um, because he was at war in the Stepstones. It's really... Like, they would have seen his dragon if he flew there, you know? Like, it's really hard to pull that off without getting noticed. Like, his presence being seen. Anyway, setting that aside, we're I not here in, to I wanna, blood, But go ahead, Sean. I went in, I want to kind of agree with you there. But on the other hand, I feel like it would be hard for Alicent to meet with a king for months and not, not be noticed, but it seemed to have been. So I feel well, like this if he is meeting, to, he could have found a way. This is meeting around, yeah. like, in a castle where they both are supposed to be. Damon just being in the Vale would be news. Yeah. Because he's supposed but, to be in the but steps. But like, though. if he he could have landed the dragon thirty miles away. But how do you not? But how do you expect to not be seen with the dragon? Like that's yeah, there's I mean, only one Caraxes. Yeah. Like that, his dragon he's is. I I really do think yeah. that he could easily arrive somewhere on Caraxes secretly and and park and all that. Like I I don't yeah, think that that is enough to stop it. Oh, I'm not saying it's enough to stop it. I'm saying okay. that's a huge distinction between meeting in yeah. private in the Red Keep where they both live already. I yeah, yeah. <laughs> I will say I think that it is less believable for that to be secret for for the Red Keep meetings to have stayed a secret than it would have been for Damon to secretly fly on Caraxes and park on like a well a, I don't think they were you know. secret though in the Red yeah. Keep they were just secret from like uh, some people like Rhaenyra didn't know well, but that I, doesn't mean everybody did well know. I guess my point I I felt that Corlys and Rhaenys should have known I felt that they should have contacts and be able to find out that that is the person okay. that I think should have known. So, Similarly, someone might have seen a dragon land, but not known it was Damon's dragon. Yeah, yeah or or not know. known had anyone well, that they could talk the other, to about it. Um, yeah, one way or the other. The the point is that these things are un- unlikely, but could have happened. But uh, what I thought about it, you know, his intentions or whatever. Get to try to get back to that. I assumed that he was there to kill her. That that's what I thought. That through the course of the scene. When she sort of had that realization, he kind of lowered his brow a little and like, oh, you know, it kind of got dark. I feel like she realized what the play for him to make was. And he's that's why he's there. He's making this play. Um, but why is he the, so the passive about scenes, it, though? All he ever does, all he does is grab for her reins. Yeah. He doesn't pull his weapon, yeah. anything like that. And that's 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 yeah. a big part of the ambiguity. Like I even wonder if there was Sean. Yeah, yeah. I, want, I want to hear the. Rest I even of wonder if there was like a mystical element, or if maybe he had, mm-hmm. in the same way that like Loris took advantage of the mountain by having some scent, you know, having a a, a mare in heat uh-huh. distract the horse. I wonder if he did something to the. Anyway, yeah. it became a little more. It came a little more clear that it wasn't clear, and the behind the scenes when they talked about it, when they when he said that why he showed up is hard to know, but. By the way, I watched it with uh, our friend Randy, and and he, after we watched it, talked about it, and he similarly thought he didn't even think it was obvious that uh, or clear, or certain that Damon smashed her skull in with the rock. I thought that was for sure. Yeah, I agree. I think, why yeah, else would he pick sure. up the rock and walk back, yeah. and he cut to a, like a fish head being? Yeah, they yeah, said that his, her yeah. head was bashed in later. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, but anyway, yeah, it, I have to accept, if nothing else, based on what the showrunners are telling me. 
that he wasn't definitively showing up with that intention. But it makes me wonder what the heck else was his intention. You know, well, he, he was told to go there. I mean, he was like, you have to go home to the Vale. So he went home to the Vale. I mean, I don't know. But that. he doesn't like fly in on a dragon and assert himself. He shows up in the woods in disguise. That's well, yeah. I mean, that's a, that that's way, that's know? part of the ambiguity. Like, why did he do yeah, that? But yeah, yeah. It might it leads to the suggestion that he was there to well, kill I, her. But yeah, I yeah. I think that he had a, an inkling in his brain like i'm maybe gonna kill my wife today and but like he still wasn't a hundred percent in it like like even when he showed up like he's like yeah i guess i'm gonna do this thing but i don't really want like, like he, he felt i think he was mixed up about it and then raya went and like poked at him and like he like steeled him to be like okay no this is what i'm gonna do but i do think that it was and so in that way, I think you can still call it an impulsive decision. Like he had it a hundred percent made up his mind that he was killing her until she needles him some more. Like he didn't have a plan, a specific plan on how to kill her. He was like, I think I want to kill her. Yeah. But then the, the opportunity just kind of presented itself. And, yes. you know, like I wouldn't say that was him murdering her because she ah. goaded him. No, she goaded him into <laughs> killing her because she was going to starve to death lying there with a broken neck. And it was better to die yeah. at his hand than to just suffer. I would say I would still call it murder. I wouldn't call it like premeditated exactly murder. It like, might be that, a mercy killing. I call that a mercy killing, <laughs> though you can still yeah. accuse him of being there to kill her in the first place and still say the whole thing was, was he had murder on his mind. I'm just... I, I kill, the actual killing blow death. is mercy. I still think he caused her death. Like, uh. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I'm not sure. Like, I don't know that he intended for that horse to rear up. He may have just intended to cut her throat some other way. <laughs> it's entirely possible. But that yeah. would look like it was done. See, that's the other part of the ambiguity. It's like he couldn't. Have, I don't know if he could have gotten yeah, no, away with that. Like, that. this looks like an accident. A cut throat. You can't really. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It, I, it, I, I'm gonna, well, I'm gonna feel go strongly on the record and say, in my opinion, this was murder. Okay. I will say that. We'll disagree here. <laughs> I, I will say that whatever it was, it seems like they wanted it to be at least a little ambiguous. Like, even if he definitely showed up to kill her and did do something to the horse to call you all that. How does anyone actually know that? Right. Yeah. Uh, people can only assume and they might be very confident in their assumption, but they would never win in a court of law. No. There is no evidence. Maybe they don't need to it. if they just challenge yeah. him in the streets with a sword, I guess. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Zero evidence he did this. There's, but if you yeah. challenge him at the table of the king, no. you might need a little more evidence. Right. Yeah. <laughs> well, here's a, an important point on that. Now, uh, Corley says he hints that it was. Something's up with that. He's like, sure is strange that this very capable rider just broke her neck, falling off her horse. And then he just kind of lets it go. But it's Lionel and Viserys that are there for that implication. And then when Uncle Gerald comes up to accuse Damon, it's Lionel and Viserys are the only two there again. And Viserys gives Damon a real long look after that moment. He's like, did he kill Lady Royce? Did he do that? Is this accusation Mm -hmm. accurate? On the I, up- I wonder if he's got like a new level of suspicion in him now yeah. after what happened with Otto. Like he's yeah. lost some some sense of innocence in the <laughs> world or whatever. He's like, man, I just have to suspicion people, be suspicious of people who I thought were close to me, people I yeah. thought I could trust. That Uncle Gerald, he something seemed a little off about that guy, didn't it? Didn't it? Like he seemed like he was a little shady. Like he didn't seem like the good guy in this scenario. He seemed like maybe he's got his own play for runestone like even when he met ray out front he's like hello cousin you know she's she didn't she didn't give him like the warm greeting like she was like what are you doing here man like uh, uh, get uh, away uh. like yeah I, I prefer to ride alone 
you know. You know, yeah, I was you know, I, I was suspicious of him at first in that I thought that he was going to have an involvement with Damon in, in getting rid of her, but that clearly was not the case, so I'm less suspicious of him knowing that he seems genuinely like, no, that wasn't cool. Like, yeah, that benefited me in the long run, perhaps, but that wasn't yeah. cool. Yeah, yeah, that's really interesting. I think, that, yeah, just his manner, something just, I think he's playing, like, trying to be off on purpose, like, he's got his own scheming I- going on. I will say on one hand, when I rewatched that interaction at the beginning, he did, he, they didn't seem particularly close, but when he shows up at court, he did seem like it was in a personal front. That was my cousin. Now you can't have done that. But it also seemed odd for him to be taken so off guard by the implications of what was going to happen with the, the state. Like, he really didn't even consider he that. Should, is no, he no, he dumb or is he really that dense? No, no, he yeah. shouldn't be. No, no, that's Damon is just wrong. That is not how the law works. So the, he, that's why Damon's he's pushing for it to work that way. He, maybe he, Damon's just like yes. flipping a table. Like yeah. you're accusing me of one thing, but I'm going to try to take extra. Yeah, like, yes. Maybe I don't get that, but you're you're definitely not accusing Gerald's me. Gerald's worried here. that yeah. Damon will get his way because he's a dragon riding prince, even though the law does. Yeah, not no, I think this is plan. a way for Damon to uh, cow Gerald to not accuse him. He's saying, "Hey, look, if you push this more, I'm going to push back, and you might not like that. You don't end up with Runestone because look at me as the king's brother." Yeah, he's like, "You want to so, keep Runestone? You better back off." Yeah, I like that take. That, yeah, that that makes me think of a a question and a a joke. Uh, one, <laughs> do he said, "Do we think that he is going back to the area or to the Vale?" Like, is he still banished? Did he just come back for the wedding and he's going back? Well, I'll answer that with whether this was a whether this addressed it or not. Like, I I think in my head canon, we're about to have a a ten year time jump, and in that that time, yeah, Damon's gonna go talk to Jane Aaron, and she's gonna say, "No, you don't get this." In the book, in Fire and Blood, he petitions her for Runestone. And this was a little shout out to that, him bringing up the idea of doing that to Gerald. But I think it's perfectly reasonable to imagine that off screen in this 10 year time jump we're about to hit, Damon is going to go petition for Runestone and not get it. And that's the end of that. And not only did not get it, but Lady Jane is like GTFO. Yeah. He's like, you're not welcome in the Vale. So he gets sent to the, he gets exiled to the Vale and then the Vale exiles him out. Yeah. Uh. So. Oh yeah, I was, I was realizing you might have to spoil stuff to tell me, but also realize it's a lot. It's difficult to speculate on what's going to happen with a ten-year time jump. Yeah, yeah so we don't know what we're we'll, going to get. We don't know what um, we'll see on screen that would have been in the ten-year time jump, or what will have actually happened. But yeah, this uh, may get played out very differently. But, we're just small spoilers. Yeah. But it, you know, it, blood, it yeah. made me wonder if he was going back there. What was he going back for? If he's not going back there, is he staying at home? Is he still? banished by Viserys. Uh, uh, I don't know. Anyway, all well, that reminded me of uh, of The Office when Dwight was mad at, and I think it was at Jim. It's like, shunned. Unshunned. Yeah, unshunned. Yeah. unshunned. Yeah. Viserys yeah. is shunning and unshunning. Yeah. <laughs> like, You're yeah. banned. You're back. You're banned again. Yeah, he just walked in like, they'll give me a seat. My brother doesn't want to cause a disturbance. He'll, <laughs> he'll let me sit down. Yeah, sure enough. That was yeah. one of the assumptions as well. That's one of the ones that worked out. He's like, yeah, yeah he'll just let me back in. Yeah. <laughs> Damon continue. I like, I really like how Damon's character is written in that it, it fits the ambiguity of fire and blood. He responds to accusations consistently with contempt. It's like, your accusation is irrelevant. Doesn't matter if I'm guilty because that would imply my actions can be unjust. I can do what I want. I'm the prince. I do what I want. There is no judgment of me. He can't, he's, he, he's not going to protest innocence because that would imply that he's submitting to judgment in the first place. So he's like, no, I do what I want period 
I won't respond to your accusations <laughs> because they have no merit <laughs> because I'm above all that. And that enables people to fill in the blanks with what really happened because he never responds to the accusations. They're like, oh, he must have done it. That's that's why he's not, you know, protesting his innocence and like, oh, no, that's just. Damn. Yeah. So that really fits in well with the uh, historical sources have to just make up his motives or invent, which is how real history works a lot, too. <laughs> So Otto and Laris and Allison, let's talk about them briefly. <clears throat> we talked about Otto's emphatic um, talk with his daughter. We light the way in the rain here. And it's the same thing that Allison uh, is said, or that Rainey says to Corlys. They both basically say the same thing, that the realm won't accept a woman. War is coming, period. Except that Otto, of course, includes the part you mentioned, Sean, you have to pray for her mercy or, or fight her. That's really all there is to it. They also both point out that Viserys won't have a long life, that he may live quite a bit longer, but there's no way he's going to be an old man because of the way, how bad his health is. They both recognize that. And they may be the only two that state that out loud. Other people probably realize it, but pretty important, though. It is, a, it is another thing that's kind of, I want to say, kind of a false assumption. We have a little, you know, spoiler just from the previews next week, we know Vasaris is still there. Yeah. And if that's 10 years from now, you know, maybe the first five minutes of the episode are not 10 yeah. years from now. I don't know. I don't know how it's going to go, but he's got to be 50 ish now. And so it's after 10 years, 10, you know, no, no, be... no, he's not. After 10 years, he'll be well, 50. Now? He's in his late 30s. He looks older than he is because of his health. He's not that old. <laughs> well, I mean, the image of him at the council, he looked. Yeah. It's his health. 30. It's his health, man. <laughs> well, well, I mean, you're saying at the council he and was the great only, council what, 17? At the great council of 101? Yeah, when he was already, his wife was already No, with he, was was he, he was in his 20s then. He was in his 20s. All right, so that, then this story started, started 10 years after that, so he's in his 30s. And now it's already No, been. no, he would have been in his early 30s then, so then now he's in his late 30s. Okay, yeah. okay. So, yeah, so 10, 10 more years and he's in his late 40s, yeah. Yeah, he looks older than he is. Yeah, that's just that's the bottom line. Like, yeah, and while Damon is not Sometimes aging it's at all, deceiving because of the silver hair or whatever. <laughs> yeah, but, yeah, uh, you can't tell the difference. Between silver I just and gray, assumed yeah. that he was like, he, he, so he was like in his young twenties when Rhaenyra was born. Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Or, or maybe not even twenty yet. Maybe. Know. Yeah. Rough. Uh, small detail. Yeah. Either way, it fits though. Yeah. Because <laughs> Rhaenyra is like seventeen ish right now. Mm -hmm. So yeah. If he's 37, he was 20 when she was born. Yeah, and... that's normal. Okay. That's normal for these princesses. Yeah, it's all normal. Yeah. I just, it's not the timeline I thought we were on. Okay. I yeah. thought he was well into his 20s when she was born, when he was chosen to be king. In Fire and Blood, Damon marries Rhea Royce now. when he's 16, for example. That's yeah. how long they've been married. So, like, a lot of time has passed. But again, because this is the show, I would count, I would uh, hesitate for us to put much stock into what the actual age is in this. Um, I don't think it's terribly important, um, and it could be slightly different. Yeah, that's why I'm not trying to he give could him be, precise. Yeah, yeah he, he could be old. He could be yeah. old. He could be a little bit closer to what you're saying, Sean. Like, I think there is room for that to be the case, just based on things are different and the actor's older. Yeah, um, yeah. I, I'm worth. guessing you're probably right to point out that he most looks the wrong age in the Great Council scene. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, he should be younger yeah. there. Maybe not a teenager, but he shouldn't look like Patty Considine. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's probably when it's the most off. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, and Laris connecting these two scenes with Otto and Allison. Uh, he re Allison starts to realize just how right her father was, but not even fully until more information comes. Like it, he confronts her and says, look, I was right about Rhaenyra. 
and she she comes to realize just how right he was and then she comes out to realize how right he was about other things which is going to fuel her paranoia or cynicism or realism that he's right about her children being at risk once all those dominoes fall and she starts to believe her father that means she has to believe his most important point or the thing he's most emphatic about which is that her kids are in danger and that obviously changes her behavior massively because once she's like oh my kids are in danger she's a dutiful person her duty to her children who's a mother that's going to come first uh, among all things so um and here comes larry still as you said sean is a, i'm glad you highlighted the scene talk about you know making things a little worse pouring fuel on the fire <laughs> his voice comes as a surprise shout out to joe magician big fan of the the biggest fan of the strongs that i know of <laughs> mm-hmm. and he he may, he points out how it, at first it looks like laris's voice is just coming from nowhere as if from the weirwood she's looking at the weirwood and then a voice just comes and she doesn't even at first doesn't know who's there so it kind of makes it seem like he has knowledge he shouldn't have, which is like, yeah, how did he know about the tea? How did he find that out? How did he know? Mel- he's doing what I think the other characters should have been doing together. He's asking questions. Mm-hmm. He's taking tabs. Maybe even there is a network of spies set up. If Otto did that before he left and told us, hey, talk to this maid, talk to this cook, see who goes in and out of this chamber. You know, Otto might not have doing it at the beginning but realized he needed to be. And mm. once he realized it, told someone else. And yeah, that's it's, I, and, and even though it seems sort of, uh, I don't know, conniving or subversive or sinister on a certain level, it's good for people to have information to work with. You can make better decisions. You can anticipate <laughs> problems that are coming. If you're using this information to manipulate people, that's not quite as good. So wait, can- but if you use it to keep everyone informed, that's good. Can I, can I say, are you pro Laurie strong right now, Sean? Right now I am, okay. right? I, I recognize he might be sinister, okay. but I feel like he, it seems like he has an intention of getting Allison to worry or know about the right things. Hmm. And I think that's a pot. There's certainly maybe some bias for the sake of his family or something like that. Uh, but I feel like it's it seems right now to have at least potentially positive outcomes. It might have negative outcomes because everyone's going to make a bunch of stupid decisions like they have in all of them, right? <laughs> but if everyone like made good, non-selfish decisions with the information they had, try to get all the information that was available rather than act on emotions or knee-jerk I mean, reactions. I mean, Laurie tells Allison that this, inf- Allison this information and she goes and makes a whole scene with her green dress. I'm yes. like, what's she doing with yeah. this information that's good to me? I mean, I guess helping Kristen not kill himself. And he's the one who points out that she's in the green da- dress and what the significance of the green dress means. He's like, well, the high towers make the flame on the high tower green to go when they're going to war. And he's the one that put her on this path. So yeah, it depends on what you think fair, his goal is there. And I don't know what it is. Otto, I don't know. Otto kind of put her on this path before he did. <clears throat> Otto said, Hey, you need to get ready. So why is a strong helping her do that when he, when her know. father, when his father replaced her or his, yeah. his father replaced her father? So that's the part yeah. is like yeah. the, finding the connection between Otto and, and Lars is difficult because they shouldn't really not. Yeah. Not right there may now. not even be one, but uh, it it it's still like let's. What do you? Sorry, I don't mean to say like what do you think, but yeah. I mean just I want to think for a second. What's the most sinister thing Laris could be angling for? 
starting a war on purpose? I don't know. I mean, why I would guess, he want to I do that? I have no idea. I, I don't know why yeah, he's telling yeah. her anything. <laughs> so, but is that, that, so when I think about it, I don't have any good reason to think of this character that's barely been featured has this master plan to start a war. And so what I feels more like a default is he's trying to help her out. He has this awareness that he wants to share with well, but, her. But, but, and that's but why positive. would he want to do that? That's also a thing. I think he's, I think he's just... Mo- good motives need questioning. Good motives need true. questioning, too. True, true. I, yeah. I think that he's trying to get in on the green side while his father and, and brother are getting in on the black side so mm. that they are able to play both sides so that the Strongs always mm. come out on top, just like Mac and <laughs> okay. It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. <laughs> and sides. I think that he's using some simple information to test Allison to see what her reaction will be. You know, if she doesn't bite, then okay, Allison and Rainier are tight. I, I shouldn't have brought it up. This is a fine thing to bring up. But like, I think he's really is like a, a testing the waters and seeing how amenable she is to getting information from him. He may on some level be looking out for his dad. He might be worried about what's brewing. Because remember, mm-hmm. I did feel like he both was fishing for information and planting ideas. I think he was doing both. He wanted to know. He said how he, much he, he said I, you're going to need allies. You know, and at first she's like, right. she was resistant. And it was such a clever way, <laughs> right? Like, when he well, says you're going to need allies, yeah. and she's like, I have plenty. He's like, like Rhaenyra. Yeah, like smooth. he kind of knew that she wasn't really an ally. <laughs> but then he didn't just follow that up as like a chide. He's like. You might not be able to count on her because she's sick. Like he, he not only has this plausible deniability as to why he would make that comment. It wasn't just like to poke at her, but then it also tests. Did she know about the pregnancy? The tea? Yep. Let me tell her and see how that changes things. You know, and let's compare yeah, him to some yeah, other intriguers. I, I, exactly, I agree with that, Sean. That he's just slowly giving her this information and seeing how she reacts, and then going from there. But yet, yeah, what is he? Yes. So we, you ask, like, what might his angle be? Well, we've seen a couple of different intrigue characters and what their roles have been. In case, in the case of Littlefinger, who also spoke to people kind of like this, trying to see their reaction to things and not always clear what his motivations are. Well, Littlefinger at one point says, well, chaos is a ladder. Someone like me is good at exploiting chaos. It might be something like that if we're looking for generic motivations for some intriguer. On the other hand, think about how he, he's talking it's very uh, blunted wor- words used pointedly, or pointed words used bluntly. Like, he's saying polite things, but they're very incisive. They're actually quite cutting. Mm-hmm. Like, the implications of those words go beyond, far beyond what he's saying, and that's what he's aiming for. He's wanting her to hear the implications without saying the words, right? He's saying them tactfully, and he's maintaining plausible deniability, but he's really getting to the heart yeah, of it. It's like it. aggressive tactfulness. Like, he's trying to yes. get at certain yeah. very... Yeah, important and points. No, are very critical I mean, sometimes and, and it feels like moments. he's sometimes it feels like he's saying something, and then he's like, "Oh, I gotta like really spell this out for yeah, her." Like, she's there's not like fully this moment it. where he's like, "She's not. She's whether willfully I, I or through stupidity or what." But he's like, "Okay, she's not there yet." Yeah, I'm gonna have to teach her a little. Which is why a great, yeah. great performance by the actor Matthew Needham um, as Laurie's because you could really see the like layers there of his his performing. Of him acting out things for Allison's uh, benefits. It's very similar to the person his name rhymes with, Varys, who yeah. does the same kind of thing. When like, remember Varys says to Ned, he's like, "It was so good of that squire to make sure the king had all the refreshment he needed while he was on his hunt." Because the refreshment is the, mm-hmm. how they got Robert yeah. to yeah. get too drunk. You know that kind. Of, it's the very same type of like leading them to the point without saying it, and. 
<laughs> but with the intent you know, to, of stirring up something. To the question you're bringing up, though, it's it's hard in in the in the series. I don't think they handled it well. Like where they went with Varys and Littlefingers and a bunch of characters are hard to like make sense of. Didn't necessarily jive with what happened in the beginning. I don't know. Went off, jumped the shark tank or whatever you know. In the books, it's still not really clear. Like on some level, like okay, Littlefingers ambitious. Maybe he's got some weird crush on. Uh, Sansa or something like that, but we still don't really exactly know what his motivations are other than gain more power, which isn't especially inherently sinister, right? It's not like Viserys wants more power. He, you know, like... Uh, uh, Corlys wants I, I more power, but I, I do right, think that right. they are portraying it it's negatively to want that. Thing of but I don't think it's a, I don't think it's true, a positive true. trait that they're showing in the show. Um uh, true, I, I do agree. Generally, it ends up being a symbol of corruption and arrogance and, and everything else. But but I much prefer someone angling for power to do it by, you know, whispering in people's ears to get them to realize what's going on around them to angling for war and wanting yeah. to murder people. So I, 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 can't, I mean, I'm saying I think I would rather have Harwin right now. If I could just Laris, be in charge, I would. I would Laurie, sorry. I would put Laurie's. I'd rather him be king than Damon or Rhaenyra or Otto or almost anyone else. I mean, I'll I say might, Lionel might be my first pick, actually. Yeah, Lionel. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, yeah, I mean, I will say Corley's his, uh, I don't know, his, his, uh, tunnel vision about having his family, his, 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 his specifically Rhaenys's line, not even really his, um, line on the throne has not been a sympathetic or a likable trait in Corlys that mm-hmm. I, I, it's been to his detriment. Like it has not benefited the realm for him to care so much about that. And Rhaenys is trying to like get over it and he won't let her get over it, but we'll, we'll get into that. Yeah. And he's mixing up his family with it. I went into the show thinking he was going to be this, heroic protagonist character but he disappoints me almost every time he's on screen <laughs> like he doesn't seem politically ready for what's going on around him okay so he doesn't control his emotions he's like assumes his son will grow out of being gay he doesn't really <laughs> listen to what his wife wants like he's constantly kind of disappointed me. So, so we're on the record here sean supports uh laurie's uh, strong and Kristen Cole and his anti Corley Spiller. <laughs> That's what we've determined. Kristen Cole's here. got a notch against him now. To okay, be fair. okay, we'll get but, into. I'm super curious how what your your stance on Kristen is, but we'll get into that soon. Yeah, let's talk about Driftmark. That's our next location. We can talk a little more a little more about Corley's there. Possibly the most beautiful location we've seen yet. We already, already talked about the causeway. The interior has beautiful architecture. There's another model inside, kind of like. Oh the, yeah. Um, the thing, kind of like Viserys' model. I kind of wish they talked about it. Like, oh, you got a cool model, too. Right. <laughs> you know, I like that. Your model's as cool as my Valyria model. There's yeah. uh, there's all these treasures around. There's this, this place called the Hall of Nine, which presumably refers to his nine voyages and different things he got from different places. But it might also or instead refer to prior uh, lords of Driftmark. The different there might be nine highlighted um, skulls as well. Yeah. But specifically, there are. He has his nine voyages. I think um, nine's a little light for the number of lords and Driftmark, but it could work. It could work. So those are just all unclear. the skulls they have left. Maybe some of them were lost at sea, so they don't have those skulls. Yeah, but yeah. I'm going through a little procession of um, art from uh, Corlys's Hall of Nine. Different treasures he's got, like a horse Ooh. head and this cool, like engraved. Uh, 
ivory, I guess. There's like a skull with a with an engraving on it too. Oh yeah, like, yeah, really yeah. There was that the skull. There was, was also cool. like a where's that foot um, seashell looking thing. I yeah, that, that, that yeah, was the like ammonite. ammonite. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. There I wonder if that was something that. piece of art constructed, or if that was some natural thing that he found. Yeah, I wonder. Yeah, too. it's hard. It's yeah, it's hard to tell. Like I, I tend to think of it as as something he found but um or supernatural thing that he found yeah yeah supernatural <laughs> thing that he found where is this uh, so that's oh, probably the same fireplace he talked to damon at when he was sitting yeah. there chilling uh, when they had in episode face. two i guess that would have been he's got this cool like augury thing yeah uh, kind of like the the astrolab yeah here's, here's the, skull the skull with the writing and carvings yeah. on it just all sorts of stuff going on there it looks kind of vaguely aztec maybe yeah, sure. yeah, but uh, yeah, I mean, so I would be super curious to dig in and see like where we think certain um, treasures came from in the in, in the actual um, world of yeah, ice and fire. But that'll be a, that'll be a, a, its own episode. But we have um, here shots of the mural um, that we see that there's depicts maps his, too. his nine oh, voices. So there's cool. maps. Yeah. There's this hanging, yep. this hanging chandelier thing made of like a bone ivory. This thing. Yeah. There's just so many cool Look things. Look at this map with the, like, you can see behind like the, the journey in dots. Yeah. Like, shows the so like with this, the you path, can, there's some, yeah. some, there's some respect we might be able to be like, oh, well, if it shows that he stopped at Morak, then maybe something came from there. You know, like, yeah. I, I think we can piece together some stuff, especially because we get um, this shot here of um, Hall of Nine inspiration from real worlds. And so if we can see, like, that something's inspired by, like, the terracotta horse, you know, or whatever, like, something like that, then we can maybe guess, oh, maybe that was from UT or something. Um so that will be fun to dig into. Yeah. And uh, Ryan Condal has like a whole podcast on props. Yeah. Right? yeah. I wonder if he would ever talk about this in the future. I bet he will. And, uh, <laughs> you know, and there's like the five or seven minute like inside the episode that we get after yeah. each one. But they're also doing like the how the throne was built. Little yeah, the, ha the house the dragons built. And that's what Have I got. They all... Made one for this episode. Yes, yet? that's what. I, that's what okay. all these images I've been sharing of um, behind the scenes shots of uh, these murals and everything. All of that has been from that. So I highly. But recommend. they didn't go into detail didn't... and explain each one to no, us. No, they didn't go into detail and explain <laughs> each one. So it's, it it's, leaves room for us to um, dig in ourselves. <laughs> all right, let's keep moving. The in the. Natural features of Driftmark are really beautiful, too. We got the caves and the beach and the sunlight and everything that both Rhaenyra and Lainor are walking around. And then Lainor and Joffrey are out there together. It's really, really nice. Just just a beautiful location. Um, mm. All sorts of great. Look at that one. Wow. Yeah. That's just... This is Super so awesome. far my favorite shot in House of the Dragon. Oh, nice! I would say like it looks the mist, so the clouds, the sun, the beach, yeah, it's the water, just yeah. Beautiful, beautiful moment um, there, the and doom. and a great and a great moment, like a significant <laughs> conversation between them. Beyond that, not just a great shot, but a significant scene for two major characters. So from this visit comes the decent proposal, the indecent proposal, and the really indecent proposal. The decent proposal is the actual upfront marriage here, Rainier and Lenor, which is a good political match for a lot of reasons. Obviously, they're not a very good match in terms of orientation, but they both at first are like, yeah, you know, we can make this work. And I mean, it looks it looks like it's headed in the right direction, right? It's like, yeah, we can both make a make the most of it. We can do our duty, but then just hang out with who we want to hang out with. 
The, the geese and the ducks. Oh, with the geese and the ducks, exactly. <laughs> but it's just not meant to be, no. you know? And, of course, it's going to fall apart throughout the episode. There's a lot of the assumptions we discussed earlier. And both Corley's has some, as we, as also we alluded to, some overestimations about the situation. He He says himself, did I overplay my hand? He's at least open to the idea that he made mistakes. He has more respect for his wife than most people in this culture do and when she tells him he's wrong about things he he listens at least he hears her and i was really here's the moment i was really wondering about when rainies comes and she's like cousin <laughs> she like grabs his hand and shakes it i think she knew what she was doing there i think she was trying to show how unhealthy she he was or at least test him because she's concerned about his health wants his her husband to realize how close he is to death and to keep that in mind with all the things that's happening. Because, like, when he dies, Rainier, he says straight up, he's like, look, when when Rainier's assessment, recession will be challenged, knives will come out. And so she, by grabbing his hand and saying, oh, I'm sorry, cousin, how's your health? She's drawing attention to how unhealthy he is and how soon his death will come, which I'm not sure she realizes her husband has taken note of that. So she wants to emphasize that, I think. Did any other interpretations? Uh, I would like to just emphasize the amazing acting from Eve Best, because this is camp at its very best right here. Her entrance here, I have it on screen with her big grin and her (laughs) way she like like, (laughs) holds her arms. I I don't know if I agree with your assessment on that, but like I, I wouldn't just, I wouldn't dislike it if that was the case. I, I don't. I really don't know if I agree with that. But either About, way, agree I agree with what the idea that uh, Rainey grabbed Viserys' hands, knowing that she was emphasizing to him his his I, mortality. I, I'm not sure if I, I thought agree. it was. I thought it was almost the opposite. I thought that when she did it and he winced, that she then asked, "Are you well? Not are you sick? Are your heart? Is your hand okay? Are you well?" And he said, very. And I think that was their code to each other. I think really she was saying, are you okay? And he's like, no, I'm not. I think that they were, there was a secret between them. How bad is it? Is it really credible I, that I, people don't realize how unhealthy he I is, thought. though, at this point? I mean, like, I still think she know? can realize. I mean, he's keeping gloves on yeah. and keeping his But that's suspicious. Went, well, Wearing gloves everywhere by itself yeah. is suspicious, though. Yeah. And Rainey's just be, very observant. Like, she's like the most astute yeah. character we've seen in the entire series, I think. Um, another th- I think thing could, about I, that I, I don't know I think she could have known but still gotten caught up in the moment okay, of yeah. like I'm greeting him and ah oh, it's my yeah, cousin maybe. and like she grabs his hand and she's like oh and then like she has like remembered she was, like I know that he's sick oh this is more of that this is like like I, you're already I, saying it's camp that she's already like overplaying how happy she is to see I don't him, think right? it's I don't think camp necessarily means that she's like I mean that's her I think that's her overplaying it but that doesn't mean that she's overplaying it for uh manipulation okay I guess she might be overplaying it, but it might also be genuine. Yeah. Yeah. Like I think she is genuinely like in a pretty positive, happy mood. And, Mm. uh, yeah, I'm real dubious of that. Cause I think she's doesn't want this marriage. I think she's like, look, this, we've just tied ourselves to this war. I don't think she's happy to see Viserys at all. Cause I think she knows exactly why he's there and she doesn't want this. I, I was going to say, as he says, another thing about this scene that I thought was a little unusual. Is it at the end of it all? I don't know if surprise is quite the right word, but she's like, you just got us in a bunch of trouble. Like, yeah, exactly. Have they not talked about this? Didn't she know this was coming? Like, so was she pretending to be happy when it first showed up? Was she generally surprised that he was there? Did she not know that he was showing up? Uh, I, I'm not sure. I, there was a, I had a few lingering questions around this scene 
and, uh, and I don't remember they made a big point of it. Like, why aren't you here to greet the king? Like they sent, like there was word sent ahead that he would be coming else. Yeah, that, that makes sense. And, and unless it was kept secret from her, but that also seems does, difficult does and seem unlikely. Sense, but, yeah. I mean, it's yeah. possible. It just doesn't really. Why? Like, why yeah. would you do that? Yeah. <laughs> anyway, let's move on. Well, I, I think that there was a little bit of Rainey's wanting to, I, a needle isn't the right word, but like, them not greeting Viserys. Oh yeah, that was and, and like and then and then she comes in like, oh look at how well I'm living. Like yeah. <laughs> life is good on Driftmark. I'm happy. Like I think that's the level that she's like overplaying it or wanting to a little bit put him in his place. Mm. Um, or or there could be again, I'm not sure if this is likely, but it's possible that Corliss did keep it secret from her so that he could wait inside and make the king come to him because remember after the fact she's like oh man he really had to belittle himself to come in here and beg like that maybe corliss set it up to make him look smaller maybe if well, she, she was known, saying would have been out she was waiting. saying the whole trip would made him look weak it wasn't the coming inside yeah, it was yeah. the whole coming at all yeah that was yeah what she was it was talking the, about. yeah the actual him yeah. him making this seed voyage but i but i do maybe. agree that their greeting was intentional that they slided him on purpose to put him yeah. down to, like, yeah to, to, maybe it was a negotiating even... tactic maybe push that farther yeah by herself being inside waiting they know they're about to have a marriage deal they know they're about to be given a marriage offer and they want to start off getting the upper hand in negotiations you know like maybe she's testing how far he'll go yeah like if he had stood outside and demanded that they come meet him rather than fine let's go in you know maybe and maybe that is part of Check the indication his mood. of his yeah. health and how mm, yeah that's a good way to like it's like a very it's a nautical thing or doing a sound but, <laughs> but yeah i do the expect the that harbor. there were let there was a letter exchanged between lionel strong and corlys and rainies in which he was like like if we make this trip you guys you're amenable to this right like this i don't think yeah. they just did that out of nowhere they didn't just show up yeah they also would have seen them yeah. coming a mile like miles away yeah yeah they, <laughs> beyond that the fact that they, yes that they would have seen or sent a raven and like yeah. yes it's technically possible that they were like we're coming to visit and they didn't say anything but i really think that there was Corliss something didn't see Vesaurus's messengers come on that <laughs> so let's talk about lanor and um rainier a little more but their their arrangement that of course doesn't end up working out now it's important that and some good detail work is done here to remind people that these two have known each other they are this isn't like their first meeting they grew up together they're cousins they both had Jaharis and Alisand as great grandparents. They have the same connection to Aegon the Conqueror, right? And so Rhaenyra knew that Lannister was gay. That was not a surprise to her either. We weren't sure about that going into this, whether that would be the case or not. And it looked so good for them. He's like, oh, wow, this is really going to work out. Yeah. <laughs> he goes and talks to Joffrey. And, and Joffrey's like, huh, she must have a lover too. He kind of figures it out. And... It must be a specific person. Now, she's probably not just going around with a bunch of different people. That would be too hard to manage. That would be tricky. It's probably just one person. And Lainor's like, yeah, you're probably right. And Joffrey goes a little farther and is like, I'm going to figure out who it is. And he does. It's just the power of observation. As we said before, it, it, it was an assumption, although... He was right. He did figure it out correctly. He's like, it must be that handsome one. Uh, <laughs> and the he, one he, he probably King's, watched like how they were looking at each other. He was other like, it's the and... one King's guard without his helmet on. Yeah, the it's one King's guard. Yeah, I know. Like, it, he's my, he I, may I not be notice. the only young one, too. Like The other King's guard may all be old. Eric and Arik seem like they're there and That's young, true. but um, old, I, I think that they're there That's already. Point. That's a good point. I did watch Close trying to figure out what it was that clued him in, and I'm not sure about this. And also, it may have been reckless on his part to make, he might have been making a good guess. 
and he did present it in a way that said Chris Nunn was just oblivious. So what are you talking about, man? Like <laughs> yeah. he, he didn't necessarily give anything away. Yeah. But uh, but anyway, I think that uh, uh, Chris Nunn was the only one not looking at Rhaenyra. He like, made one glance when she was dancing with the other guy, and he's like, he couldn't emotionally handle watching that, and just looked away the whole rest. Maybe of the Joffrey time. caught that, like that point, that, of, right? Like, and yeah. I think that's that's what Joffrey saw that he was a one. Everyone was watching her, right? Mm-hmm. All eyes were on her. She's the center of attention, except for Chris. He's yeah. looking away, and he's just tense. And yeah, I mean, like again, yeah. I don't disagree yeah. with people who think it was a jump of Joffrey to make that. And that it was then a further jump for him to actually say something without confirming it. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. I don't think it's un. I don't think it's impossible or unreasonable for someone for Joffrey to have done that. I, I totally agree. Words. I think him figuring it out makes sense. Yeah. He's an observer. It's something that Larry's brought up. It's like people who aren't asked to speak get better at observing. Joffrey Villar- yeah. Joffrey Lonmouth is not a royal. He's I mean how, a much how, lower rank than his lover. How many people is Rhaenyra even around? Or ha- like how many options are there for Rhaenyra's paramour for? Cer- yeah, I mean, really? cer- you're right. You're right. There's not many options. They've all they've been seen together constantly. He may know that. He may have talked to other people off screen to get some information. But the looks that pass, I mean, there's just so much can be said. It's like you would know ne- he would never turn away like that if he didn't like that's the look of he, he uses the word sea, you know, sea struck. <laughs> like that is a dude uh, who is definitely sea struck right there. I just want to say we're censored here. I would say it if it was up to me. And I will tweet it. You can see I'll say it every day of my life to make up for Aziz having to censor us today. See you next Tuesday. Yeah. Struck or whatever. It's very true. But OK, sure. I guess we'll censor ourselves there. But no, he was he was struck then by the sea yeah joffrey was because <laughs> joffrey that's what Kristen is like that's what that looks like no i'm totally saying that right. that's what Kristen is oh yeah yeah let's <laughs> say uh, uh, yeah and it's funny that that his indecent proposal comes while they're at sea <laughs> the really indecent proposal so Kristen, of all the assumptions Kristen's might be the wildest like sleep with me once and so, we should run away together <laughs> and so i mean there's a lot of people talking here in the chat about Kristen, and so I think this is a fine time to just bring this to, to address our thoughts on this, right? Like we can just do it in the in the chat now. Um, yeah, it was a bad decision by Kristen. I think that is clear. Yes. He wasn't logically minded. It wasn't like him saying, "Oh, this will solve everything now." Now that Joffrey's been shut up, no one will know. This was a, oh my god, I'm having a mental breakdown. All I've been trained to do is fight when I, when I'm straight. Like that's, that's, that's what he knows to do is to fight. And so he just lets it out on Joffrey because he's just slowly imploding on the inside. And no, that doesn't do any good for Kristen. It doesn't solve the solution of Kristen thinking that everyone knows what's happened to him, right? Like, but that's not the point. Like, the point isn't that Kristen is doing some logically minded thing. Right. And he's also like putting it in his perspective. We already talked about how he might have thought he was being blackmailed. He might have thought he was being taunted. He also thought this whole thing was under wraps. And all of a sudden, this random guy knows that he slept with Rhaenyra. After Alicent knows, too, to be clear. This is, like, not... He's like, who else knows? Like, who... Is everybody talking about me? Yeah, exactly. You know, he's mortified. Yeah, Yeah. picture, like, you're at this wedding and, like, every person you look at, you're like, what if, like, that... Like, they're snickering about me. Like, he's just slowly Mm -hmm. breaking down to the point where he's like, well, if I just 
kill him, then they'll know that I was, you know, defending my honor, our honor. And also- that's the only honorable thing for me to do is to say, look, you're lying. So, like, that's what he does. But I know I don't think that it was at all if Kristen was in his right mind that Kristen would have done that. He was yeah. like he was he was having just a complete breakdown. He went, almost went and killed himself afterwards. Like, yeah. he probably thought yeah. his life was already yeah. forfeit. He's yeah. like, all right, yeah. the exactly. secret's going like, to get I, out. They're going to kill me anyway. Yeah. Yeah, I think that probably he was ready was. to die in front of Allison. Yes, he right? was. He He's was. like, please, you know, I understand if you want to kill me. I ask you, don't torture me, but I don't even have the right to ask that. Yeah. You know, like he was really good. He up. was yeah. lost. Yes, he. And, and I think even the thing like going to run off with Renera wasn't quite even as much as he's in love with her. Oh yeah, or I thought agree. she would do it. He just doesn't know Desperate how to handle any way, yeah. piece of his life at this moment. His yeah. vows have been sullied totally the quests right. and mission of his life it, you know any kind of legacy he thought he had the honor of his family like everything is just this swirl and he wasn't necessarily enamored with an in the first place she kind of intentionally or not used her position of power to seduce him and now he, he just doesn't know how to deal with it and he's trying to and his first best idea which isn't necessarily even smart but he's trying to figure something out that he presents to her and i, I want to point out in that moment that Part of her shutting him down, if you will, was appealing to her, her own uh, obligations. Yeah. She's not accounting for his obligations. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Like, it's like, hey, I had obligations too, and I abandoned him for you. And you were constantly complaining about your obligations. Hey, let's just both abandon our obligations and do this thing together. Isn't yeah. that what you want? She's like, that's not what I want at all, silly boy. <laughs> yeah. What do I do I mean, now? She you know? didn't even get it. She was like, wait, what are you? So he's like, you, you want to leave? Like, she didn't even understand. Like, he was for oranges asking. in a ship. And he's like, no, not for oranges in a ship. Right yeah. Now. He's, he's like, like wait, you want me to go like, with you? Like, she was confused. Like, I she mean, didn't, like, the idea was completely alien to her. Like, wait, I go, I go with you? Like, what? Yeah, yeah. I think that was some of the, in my, like, I think some of the best writing in the series so far was the scene with Kristen and Rhaenyra, good, where yeah. he, he asks her to run away with him and she just like basically stabs him in the heart by saying no like for a bushel of oranges as if that was the point of his question but she herself is just as wounded by him even thinking to ask her to leave like that is an offensive thing and so she's like trying to deal with how to how to reject him and like she starts to even hint at the the um prophecy when she says well the Aegon when Aegon set this way he started a path and and Christian just walks away and so she might have had a good excuse for him although I I think even without her knowing the prophecy she wouldn't have run away I think even you think back to episode one right where she talked about wanting to fly away and eat cakes like i think even then she was like i want to have a vacation i, I want to go do that but i still want to come back and be the princess and eventually the heir so uh, she she did know the homework that allison was pestering her yeah about, right? yeah she still knew she it yeah know. she wanted she to go yeah. yeah she wanted to go flit about for a while but ultimately she does want the responsibility and she wants like i mean she, she's been raised and in this i think setting. It, it was hurtful for him hurtful to her for him to assume that she might run off but it wasn't crazy for him to propose that because she is constantly complaining about it yeah and i and that's what i started to think in my mind is that she has this extra layer of concern that he's oblivious to yeah which is this ice and fire prophecy and maybe she was even about to tell him that but he was also so hurt that he went off and, then, and i made this point a lot like we can't be that surprised that these young people aren't perfectly managing yeah. their emotions 
30 and 40 year olds don't perfectly manage all their emotions. You know what yeah, I mean? then, so why in a world with a 17 year old and 20 year old? Yeah. <laughs> and then of course, Corley's like kind of just makes it worse. Like he, he when he, he first pitches it to her, he doesn't say it. But then as he digs in, he's like, this is the only way for me to salvage our honor. I mean, Cor- is, Cole. Kristen yeah, Kristen Cole. I said Corley. Yeah. So you're right. I said it. I hear, I hear it back. But no, Kristen um, said, this is the only way for us to sacri- for us to like recover our honor. Not, I'm in love with you and want to spend the rest mm-hmm. of my life with you, but this yeah. is how we get our honor back. And yeah, why it's didn't, negative to be clear, reinforcement. Yeah. And to be clear, yeah, it was about his honor, but it's about her honor too to him. Like, I, I don't want to just throw Christian under the boat, as it were. Like, you know, like, <laughs> I, 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 he, he, I do think that he cares about her honor and his. Like, he cares yeah, about he just honor made in general. Some bad assumptions about how she views her honor. Yeah, she's like, no, I'm totally cool with just having this side, having you as a side piece. That's fine for me. Yeah, he, I don't. She doesn't. Rhaenyra does not see that as very dishonorable. She's no, been, she doesn't. She yeah. thinks of that as her right as fine. a Targaryen princess. Yeah. To, to do what she wants. She thinks it's a totally fine compromise given the, the rules are unfair and this is a way for her to get around the unfair rules without being, without flaunting them. And she thinks that's a reason. But she thing. doesn't consider that there's different rules for him. Yeah. Like, yeah. I, I wonder if it became public knowledge and I don't know, Viserys or Alicent or Lionel or someone demanded the, or uh, what's the name of the, the, the head of the Kingsguard right now? Harold Westerling. Harold Westerling, yeah. One of them like wanted to geld or execute or send him to the wall if she put her foot down and said no i want to keep him as my yeah protector and lover she would, would everyone yeah. be like okay fine you can do that <laughs> i don't know how yeah. that would go down you know and well, i mean i think there's i was wondering rainiera has a lot of power was there is there a world where rainiera is able to be like okay we're gonna remove you from the king's guard and you're gonna get married to you i don't think she would ever do that i don't think it could work out but the idea that she wouldn't even think about it or ask about you like is significant to me i suppose again he's it's not like he's a, a uh, a Lannister Kingsguard. He's a Cole Kingsguard. So it's there's another level of him being yes, relatively yeah, common, dispensable, um, compared to like again, if she'd been having this affair with a Jamie Lannister, maybe there is a world where they're able to make it so that no, this is her new, this is actually her new partner. Like I don't like again, just because it hasn't happened yet doesn't mean that with Targaryen exceptionalism that they can't figure out a way to excuse a man from the Kingsguard to marry. Although even with the Targaryen exceptionalism, the powers that be don't seem to think they're going to accept a woman as a ruler. That's true. So maybe yeah, they tenuously accept a woman as a ruler, broken, but then also yeah. she's dating one of the kings. Yeah, they wouldn't. No yeah, yeah, already, she can't do it all. Yeah, that just throws it off. Yeah, yeah it's already it's you know, already chintzy. Yeah, you you touched on it a little bit of Shay, but I wanted to get back to the idea that Kriston, like when when he you know confesses to Alicent that. He may already be wondering who knew, right? Because Allison presented to him as it was a report, yeah, that was made. You know that uh, uh, she's like a rumor. Well, actually, a report. Like already, like at least a couple, three, four people might know. And then here comes this random dude at court, <laughs> and yeah. he also knows. You can really see how he might have already felt paranoid. That was one of my thoughts. You know, when Allison's like, "Okay, you can go," I'm like, "Man, he is not going to sleep well tonight. He's just got to be expecting to be arrested at any moment." You know, like. Every mo- breathing moment of his life now, he feels like he's under the knife. And then here comes this guy 
at court saying, hey, buddy, I know your secret. (laughs) (laughs) And and possibly a tacit threat with that, too. Yeah. He might even on some level have thought he was protecting a princess by killing that guy. That guy might stir trouble or reveal her secret or something. Even if it's like an irrational justification in his mind, I I can see that being part of him losing it there, you know. He might have on some level thought he was protecting a princess. All right, we got to move on. That's enough for enough on Cole and Rhaenyra for now. There's never enough on Cole and Rhaenyra. <laughs> <laughs> so it's well, I guess I, I didn't get your I didn't actually get Sean's where where you land on Cole after that. Are you like I, like I, I a... want to still be on his side. I, like it's I I'm like obviously I'm not glad he murdered somebody, but I think it's understandable what happened, and I'm. It keeps me more on his side when he seems willing to accept the results of his actions. Okay. Like, he's like, I screwed up. I screwed up in a way that's not even like some uh, you know, uh, capital crime. I just like slept with the wrong person. And that is a capital crime. Well, I yeah. guess in this world yeah. it is. Yes. In this world it is. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's a victimless crime. I'll say, you know, you like, know. Uh, yeah. maybe and, it shouldn't and, be a capital he, crime, but it is. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he accepted his fate. He was honest about it. He didn't want to lie to the queen. He didn't cower or beg or throw anyone under the bus. It's like, I did it. I'm, I'm sorry. I accept the death sentence, you know? So, and in, and then after that, when he, you know, gets a reprieve of sorts, but he's still kind of spiraling psychologically out of control and, and kills someone, he's in like, well, I'm just going to kill myself now. Like I deserve to die. Like it's hard for me to think of him as a villain, right? He okay. might not be a good person. I don't know if I'm rooting for him, but I don't think he's the antagonist of the show by any means. Okay. I still think how many Fair people enough. has Corliss killed? <laughs> How many of them got a trial? What about uh, Lanor? Lanor? Yeah, Lanor. I'm sure Lanor has killed How plenty of the Stones. Yes. Right? He, yep. He, like these, these people have murdered or at least killed in battle battles that might be hard well, to justify can I, soldiers that might have just been constricted onto a ship and now they're just getting burned up by a dragon well, they didn't have any control over this fate of theirs you know? can i uh I, I know you're eager to move on but i would like to address um one thing which is um the fallout from this and how we think that'll be dealt with which is in my opinion yes and on it's the surface level Kristen doing this seems like some inexcusable thing like yeah they should execute this king's guard or send him to the wall or something but I think Kristen will have two people on his side because I think not obviously Alicent will be, but I feel like Rhaenyra will also, we might not see that conversation happen, but my, my picture of it is that Viserys is like, well, what the hell happened here? And Alicent and Rhaenyra both are like, say something in defense of Kristen. And that's why he is not just summarily killed or sent to. Yeah, I mean, it's pretty easy. Just like, like what what Sean just said. With yeah. Allison is now his protector. She wants him to be on her side. She needs allies. She sees him as someone. She but just I, rescued him. But and so I she think, has whatever pull necessary. That's going to be her. I think. But I but I still think that if Al if it was Allison's alone, but Rhaenyra and Lenor were like, no, this was not cool. That wouldn't be enough. I don't think that would be enough. Like, I think the actual people whose weddings it's at, I don't think Lenor is cool with Kristen, but I think in the immediate aftermath, Rhaenyra is going to be like, no, he was protecting me. And then they slowly, you know, like quickly uh, fall apart. But that's my, that is my thought is that that's the only way that this works. In my opinion, that, that Viserys does not uh punish him much more strictly is through both Alicent and Rhaenyra saying something. I, I did think a lot about just the details of how this played out in the moment. It, like he it, it may be that 
through this commotion. Everyone there doesn't necessarily know who this guy that got beat up was. Everyone didn't necessarily witness when he assaulted uh, Lenore, but he did punch him. Yeah, he did King punch Kanye him, yeah. Bloody nose he came up with, you know. Uh, and, but he just walked out. No one stopped him. No yeah. one asked him a question. No, you know, like, it, you know, they went on with the actual marriage without figuring out what happened with Chris on first or why Lenore was so emotionally distraught over this guy that got killed. Like, there, yeah. I feel like there was a lot there that got uh, glossed over. Yeah, and I would agree with that. I, I well, yeah, I mean, because why, the episode ended when it did, we haven't, it hasn't yeah, had time yeah. to resolve. I don't think it got glossed over. It just hasn't happened yet. Yeah, I, yeah, I was hesitant to use that term because it seems The episode ended negative. during the ceremony. Yeah. Like, they weren't even out. Right. Well, it's still... But then we, now we know we're jumping 10 years forward, so, like, how are they going to... Well, yeah, and then that's... Right, but that's so, what yeah. I'm saying. <laughs> it has, if it's been well, glossed over, we'll see. We don't know if it's been glossed over yet. Well, yeah, like, what's I don't think we'll ever really get the answer to what the conversation was post this that led to Kristen not getting sent to the wall or being executed. I think we as the viewers need to fill in those blanks. And myself as a viewer, I've the only way that I can fill in that blank to feel satisfied with it is if... It was more than one person speaking on behalf of Kristen Cole. Maybe even Harold Westerling said sure, something yeah, like, no, he's always been good. I agree with like, you. That, I, I think he's possible, not just yeah. Alicent alone, I yeah, guess. Yeah. Um, Alicent but alone I think, might be able to do it okay. if she spoke on Kristen's behalf and said something <laughs> like, and said something like, that man threatened me. Yeah, something and, like that. Yeah, there's there's a lot of ways then, okay, it can be explained. So I don't think we have people to are really into this in the chat, so I don't think we're wrong to take a, a good beat on <laughs> yeah. this. To be, I, I know you're wanting us to rush through, but like yeah. I think this is a I'm not pretty crucial. Through. We just have a lot to get. Um, but yeah. I would I would like to also. Uh, damn it! Now, oh, well, I. I I was going to say, I think we'll be filling this in this blank for years to come. Oh, uh, that's, that's what I was going to say. Is that I think we'll see that Rhaenyra and Lenor's what could have been a relatively decent relationship between them will be much colder than it would have been because yeah. of this. There might be further odds over further this. Further yeah. Like maybe it could have been relatively happy if he'd had his lover and she'd had hers, but she's going to have her yeah, lover and Lenor is just going to be sad. Maybe. Um, yeah. and or maybe he'll find a new lover. I mean, there's, yeah, 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 that's yeah, true. Who knows? True. Anyway, we'll see. Uh, we have a lot of questions built up and you can certainly ask more. We're going to have a Q&A episode this Wednesday. So built up questions. If you haven't had one answered, well, that is when we'll get to it. We have, uh, we'll have a lot of things that we'll address then. Uh, one comment here, uh, David So says, horses are very delicate creatures. If it was sudden movement from his hand, or maybe he smelled like dragon and that caused it to bring back. That's a good idea. Yeah. And they made a point about the smell of dragons earlier too. Yeah, definitely. Several times. Several times, I think. Yeah. yeah. All right. So the confession. Yeah, we talked a little bit about this already, but uh, Allison tries to be mindful of her friend's honor <laughs> and reputation. It's so funny how she's what the act of beating around the bush and not mentioning certain people by name is what gives Kristen Cole the opening to admit what he did, which is like, <laughs> wait, she's like, wait, you wait, what? <laughs> so I have a question for you all. Does, does Allison think? That Rainier hooked up with both of them, Damon and Kristen, or does this mean okay now she thinks only Kristen, or does she... I think she thinks both? Yeah, that's I what I think. think. It's both but I, too. I, you could say whatever you think, but I, I I think both. Yeah, what do you think, Sean? I don't think she thinks both. I, I think she was piecing together there that that's the way that Rainier was able to lie to her face, if you will, because it wasn't a complete lie mm. that she did hook up with someone, but it wasn't Damon. That, that's what I think, but I'm not very confident about that. Right on. You kind of see how Kristen Cole and Allison are more suited for each other. I don't mean romantically. I just mean like personality-wise, like sense of duty and like propriety and like something is bad if it happened, not if people found out, where Rainier is more on the side of it's bad if people know. 
not that it happened, right? That's that's kind of their different one of the differences in their view of what they did. Is that Rainer's like, well, as long as we keep this a secret, everything's fine. And and Kristen's like, no, we did this. There is no like secret or not. It, we it's the shame is there. So they have a that's part of why they don't can't find a chord. One of many reasons they can't find a chord on that. But Allison is more of Kristen Cole's mindset. I think I didn't even think of the the quote from that last or a couple episodes ago when he was like the truth doesn't matter Perce- perception is what matters yeah it, yeah now it might not be realistic to keep this a secret it might not be realistic to stop the perception uh, uh another thought I had too was that was I think that Renera or uh, Allison finding this out it's almost worse or maybe definitively worse because it also includes the value of the the vow of this Kingsguard I think that she was she might have been happier to find out that she really had mm. that Renee had really hooked up with Damon than to find out. Yeah, it was it's almost like right. a second layer of <laughs> dishonesty that was happening and a more serious because it there is a precedent established for Targaryens to marry. The age difference doesn't matter. All these different things, but one of the king's guard like. Is there a worse person for her to have? Like, even just a random dude on the street would have been better. Yeah, remember we mentioned Luca more strong. I think it was last time, and how big a deal that was. Mm -hmm. And that wasn't even that long. It was like maybe two generations ago at most. Yeah, and then of course Kristen does bring up, "Are you? You could geld me." Which is what happened to Luca (laughs) more strong. Yeah, that's probably who he was thinking of. He's like, "Oh, I'm going to have the fate of that guy." Yeah, and yeah, so that is interesting. You think that uh, might uh, she he might be pretty grateful to her for kind of saving his life. He was about to kill himself, and she showed up in the night. It was a pretty neat there, the night heart tree moment. That's the first time we get a heart tree moment at night, isn't it? And yeah. he, he doesn't. He's not wearing his cloak anymore. He's got his armor in his hand. He sets his sword down. He's it's very his, like... He's got his cloak in his hand, too. It's... I wonder if it was a, it was very much like a Harry Curry, like a samurai yeah, ritual suicide. Right. They even like pull up their, their robe like that. They, there's like a ceremonial garb that then they have to pull up to expose their belly. A lot of times they have someone there with them to end their suffering quickly. They like he, the, yeah. you stab yourself in the stomach and then your friend cuts your head off so you don't feel it. But yeah. he was just going to go hardcore. <laughs> just straight <laughs> up. They were just going to find him dead in front of the heart tree in the morning, like the old heart tree sacrifice, like he was offering himself to the werewood. <laughs> but no. <laughs> he's probably going to continue to be a pawn of these power players games just a different power player now Allison instead of Rhaenyra yeah that's true so Viserys's intent was seven days of celebrations but it only went one day <laughs> he wanted tournaments <laughs> feasting and big wedding ceremony this is just supposed to be the kickoff and I think it's a I think it's sort of a budget thing. <laughs> like, who was the the master of master of treasures? Who was master, master coin? coin? Yeah. yeah, he's probably happy about Tyler, that. Yeah, think, Jason's brother. Yeah, think yeah. how much money they just no, the like, master, canceling all these. Ma- the master of coin is Lyman Beesbury. <laughs> oh, sorry, Lyman. Yeah, my bad. Yeah, yeah. Thailand is. Master oh yeah, Beesbury. Yeah, yeah. 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 Um. Yes, you're right. Yeah, it's like oh, we get this. You're right. They save all this money. Like cancel the six days of the other days. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like hopefully a lot of that stuff wasn't paid for already. <laughs> But yeah, all those people showing up and just having to go back home, all the fancy arrivals just turning right back around. Yeah, there's Lyman sitting at sitting at the feast. Yeah. He's they, got a great dinner partner in Melos. Yeah, him and Melos, like me and you again, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> they were quick they were quick to take off when the when the struggle started in the crowd. They're like, We're out of here. Like, <laughs> <"We're> out of <laughs> here. <laughs> it was a quick moment. But yeah. yeah. <laughs> 
So there were three. He tried to even. You got to feel for Viserys a little bit here. He, he tried to keep the participants to a minimum. He didn't even invite all the families. He kept it down. And it's still maybe because that would cause too many people that hate each other. I don't know. But it still happened. It's still interrupted. He still had three interruptions happen during this event. And they were progressively bigger interruptions. <sighs> Damon was the small interruption. <laughs> like he's the small one. He, he didn't really disturb things that much. This is his lightest presence in an episode yet. And he still like murdered someone, arguably, and uh, did a lot of other stuff. And, you know. But still, he didn't cause the biggest scene even close. So he just shows up, and Viserys is like, "All right, I don't want to cause a scene, and I know you're you know that I'm that I don't want to cause a scene. You're capitalizing on my, you know, dislike of turmoil. So yeah, have a seat. Bring up a chair. Go ahead, have a seat. Whatever. I didn't notice this, but he didn't stand up when Allison st- came in. Yeah. Apparently, I saw someone on Twitter pointed that out. I was like, "Oh, really? That's funny." So he banters and flirts with Lena a bit. That's pretty cool. We talked about that briefly. It seems like set up, doesn't it? They certainly seem to be uh, on equal footing in a lot of ways in terms of their standing and family and all that. And he later goes to speak with Rhaenyra, pulls her aside, and she taunts him like well if you want me so bad take me to dragonstone and marry me like that and she says it in high valyrian and it's it's working like this is a man who can be taunted you challenge him and say he's not enough he will respond (laughs) and she knows how to push that button and she's pushing it big time he grabs her and viserys is watching he's like what is my (sighs) brother doing to my daughter again some people say there's not a lot of humor in house of the dragon and i disagree (laughs) i think every look on viserys's face is just a constant (laughs) constant humorous thing Uh, so funny but the brawl breaks out before that goes any further so that's kind of left kind of hanging as a thread and of course before that though that's that's not part of damon really interrupting the things that's just other stuff he does during the proceedings the other the second big interruption is fashionably late allison talk about putting the fashion in fashionably late really boss move here queen this is her first time like she's been queen for a while but this is kind of her coming out as queen she's like i am the queen and really proves it and shows it and is like everybody all eyes on me this may be my stepdaughter's wedding celebration but all eyes are on me and the dagger stare when she looks at Rhaenyra boy (laughs) that was well done she calls her stepdaughter and Rhaenyra is so confused in that moment she's like why is she looking at me what's going on here she interrupted something's going on she doesn't understand what's happened Rhaenyra has no idea that Alicent knows about Kristen she has no idea but she knows something's up something bad is up Alicent is mad at her and she doesn't know why she's probably aware of the dress having some meaning Sean what was your uh, reaction to this moment one, I think Renera at least suspects that she knows that she's found something out. That that was a take that I got from Renera's reaction to the like, you know, congratulations, stepdaughter. And Renera kind of turns. The camera even shifted focus. She's like, whoa, you know. I think she knew she was in some sort of trouble there. You know, yeah. Um, even if it's merely Alicent, kind of, I don't know how to say this, but like seizing hold of her role as queen, that that by itself might feel like a threat to Renera, but. She's got to spin in her mind a little bit about all the different things she's done wrong. She lied to her. She slept mm-hmm. with the Kingsguard. Like, 
Um, Which thing did she uh, find out about? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, right, yeah. <laughs> Rainier seems to be able to put it out of her mind pretty easily because she looks pretty genuinely like enjoying herself and happy and the dance and, and all that. Yeah, yeah, she gets back into it. She's like, well, I'll figure this out later, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> and it happens a lot sooner than she thinks. <laughs> I, I did have another sort of subconscious realization when she showed up in that green dress that it's a good contrast because I feel like they've been making a point of putting her in these black and red dresses. Yeah, and yeah. I even remember a couple of times thinking that they didn't seem like they quite fit right. Mm-hmm. And, um, and now I'm thinking, Oh man, I wonder if they intentionally, maybe I'm reading too much into it or maybe I don't know how dresses are supposed to fit. But I remember at least one time I felt like the dress looked more like a Halloween costume, just a generic black red dress. that Someone got that wasn't, it seems like she would have a dress tailored to fit her perfectly. Does that make sense? But since it didn't, Hmm. And maybe they're trying to draw this contrast. It's like, hmm. she's not quite fitting in as a Targaryen. She's yeah. still a Hightower. And here she is in this beautiful, perfectly cut green dress, making this statement that maybe Rhaenyra is not quite, you know, I don't know if she would key into, into it, but clearly the Strongs and the Hightowers, and I think Viserys all recognize, well, she's showing up at the royal wedding wearing a green dress <laughs> and not a black and red one. The third being interruption, of course, was the actual brawl. That's a huge moment. Now, as we discussed before, we don't actually know exactly what happened in terms of how it started. We know Kristen was upset. That's pretty straightforward. We don't know if Joffrey spoke to him a second time or there was some other exchange or another glance or a look or just something that set him off. We have no idea. That's very much in keeping with the ambiguity of fire and blood and how we don't always know how things started and how... The sources in the world, when they write about this event, they're going to have to fill in the blanks. They don't know what happened. They could just say, we don't know what happened, but history books tend to not do that. Yeah, <laughs> they, try, like, they try to weigh in. When, when you're watching, you just hear a scream and you yeah. don't actually see what caused it to break out. So in my head, I was like, oh, did the fight just start because some random people started fighting and no i do in retrospect i think that the scream was Kristen flipping out and turning on joffrey but it kept you wondering in the moment yeah yeah I've, my best guess is that the next person Kristen saw joffrey whisper in the ear of he's talking about me yeah screw yeah. this guy Went, That's a good idea. Smacked him yeah. over the head with the back of his sword, and he fell bloody, and a woman screamed, and he gets on top and starts smashing his yeah. face. That fits yeah. about the old ambiguity assumption thing that we're that we're foisting on yeah. everyone here. Well, we're not foisting it; it's there. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he it's made unlikely that happening. Yeah. I see someone else Joffrey, points out Terra Incognita says he might have seen Damon and Rhaenyra having their moment, and that oh. might have been part of what like. He might have had other things that he's been seeing too that are that have caused him to break down. Yeah, that's like, actually that's a really good point because I don't think Kristen fully understands what Allison was talking about with Damon and Rhaenyra. He, he, she didn't get the whole thought out, but if he thought about that on his own, was like, wait a minute, you know, how is this okay? This is, you know, this. Yeah, I can see that upsetting him. He may not have fully thought about that or been aware of it, and it may have been kind of thrown in his face. Hmm. Interesting. Yes. So, yeah, and how were other people involved? Like, there's some Lannister guys just, like, slam Lannor on the table. You know, like, how did that get going? Like, were the Lannister people upset with him for some reason? Like, what else transpired? So there's definitely a lot of unseen, uh, unaddressed aggression, but it does maybe tell you 
where things are falling down. Like a Lannister guy attacks a Valarian in the wedding. Well, maybe the Lannisters are going to be on one side and the, <laughs> and the Valarians will be on the other. We already can see why the Lannisters might be opposed to the Valarians. We have already have a, a Lannister took a Valarian spot as master of ships. They were rejected for trying to marry her. This guy's kind of a jerk, too. Like, <laughs> <laughs> And, you know, Lannisters, they're more about the whole old powers of Westeros, this following the Seven. They're, they may be a little more likely to do things like the High Towers do. You know what I mean? Uh, given other factors that maybe even more aligns than it might normally. Again, Rhaenyra, though. Rhaenyra is not only maybe confused about what Alicent has been particularly upset with, what is going through her mind when this brawl breaks out? She's like, why did my lover who's mad at me, she doesn't know how far he's fallen from, away from her at this point. He doesn't know that she's gone, he's gone to con confess to Allison. She's still in the dark about that. So she's like, wait, what is going on? Why did jo Why is my new husband's lover being beat up by my lover? She's got to be very confused, but she has to know something happened. Something was communicated, something, some words passed, and any thoughts on what's going through her head um, in that moment when the brawl breaks out or even a minute after? I, I think at the moment it breaks out, I'm not sure she even knows who's involved. Okay, that's true. She, well, let's say yeah, once she even, realizes who it is, let's say. What yeah, do you think she thinks? She might not her? realize it till like the past been cleared and he's already dead in the ground, at which point a flurry of thoughts are probably going through her head, including... You know, what, what's my future husband going to think about our mm. agreement now that he doesn't get his piece of it? You know, and, and is he going to be mad at me because the person is my lover? Does, you know, like it, it's got to be. What, what you're, the, the thoughts you're ascribing to Rainier are quite of, selfish, yeah. I'll say. Um, the idea that Rainier's first thoughts are, what does this mean for me? And not, oh boy, this is terrible for my husband who's lost the love of his life. I, I feel like. Yeah, Rainier will have thought of those thoughts, but I feel like probably she's like, oh, that was a group. Like, I feel like she just like she, if she sees the gruesome face caved in, she's got to be like, oh, that is terrible looking and traumatic and all that. And I feel like she's got to be thinking just like, I mean, when you see the scene of her getting married to um, when you see her and Lenor there together. I mean, she can tell that, like, Lenor doesn't even kiss her on the lips. He's so crying I, still. Yeah, he's crying yeah, he's during sobbing. it. So yeah. I, I feel like I want to think that mostly Rhaenyra is just overcome with feeling sorrow f on behalf of Lenor and his loss, you know? I'm pretty sure she also... I, I'm pretty sure there's that, but also there, I, I doubt there... It'd be hard for there not to be a lot of other thoughts in her mind as well. Like, yeah. Like, does this ruin our arrangement? Is, you know, because they just had their proposal about how to handle their marriage when they're not attracted to each other. Does this, is that all blown up now? So she, she probably is at least somewhat thinking about herself, not selfishly even necessarily, just, but like she couldn't not, it's such a big deal. Um, even just processing the violence of the imagery. She just saw like, so mm -hmm. yeah, it's yeah. just a swirl of an incomprehensible number of different and different types of emotions and thoughts. And at this point she hasn't got to talk to Kristen. She still doesn't know what the heck happened with him. Like yes, why did he yeah. go so berserk? So, I mean, she's probably, can assume a few things like well he was mad at me on the boat so uh oh is this connected to that what, seems like a what, one detail that i appreciated from i don't know like a filmmaking perspective is that in in the little shotgun wedding ceremony they end up having her hair is a little disheveled yeah. you know what i mean yeah. and i think it both symbolizes that one we're in the wake of the moment right that you're kind of keeping the time 
connected, um, but also that she hasn't really pulled it together yet. She hasn't processed these thoughts or these happenings and she's not in control on and on. I think that it's, it's really a, a, a amazing how much you can convey just by having someone's hair a little disheveled. Yeah. In the book version of this, Kristen Cole beats up Joffrey during the tournament portion of this, which I they just didn't want to film a second tournament. <laughs> Understandable, but even this show with its huge budget, seven days of turnas and feasts would be a bit much for them. Uh, so, but it, it, so it's kind of, it's more ambiguous because it isn't clear that Joffrey was a target. It was just, he was mad and this is who his opponent in the tournament was and he took out his frustration mm, yeah. on that guy. And because he didn't actually die right away, he died like six days later of his wounds. He was beaten so badly that, and and so it's kind of worse. Lenor is like crying over him for six days as he's slowly dying. It's like, ugh, geez. Um, but not a huge change in terms of the bottom bottom line result there. Lenor is still distraught. His the blood of his lover is still sitting there on the floor yeah. while he's getting married. The imagery, I... You're right, Sean. The imagery with the darkness and her hair is disheveled. He's crying. It's like, ooh, this is not. I gotta say, I agree with people that I don't think that the wedding ceremony needed to happen in this room still. It's a big keep, and like, literally, as you see the shot here, the blood is all behind them on the floor. Like, there's no real reason to be in this room, in my opinion. There's just one reason. What's the one reason? The, the, The one reason. Is that Viserys is barely keeping it together? He literally collapses as soon as the, they yeah. finish the wedding. Oh, that's ceremony. a good point. He might like just do it now, do it now before I pass out and lose control within the next twenty four hours. Get the septum in here and do it. I right do now. agree that it's Viserys' call. They're like he just he just wants he's to just get like, it over. Do it. Yeah, he's so I, disappointed yeah. that he's just like, all right, we just got to get this marriage done. Yeah, I agree that's with that. Point. I still feel like just just go to a side room, like just go to a room off yeah. to the side. Yeah, blood up first. I mean, yeah. While someone's getting a set, then someone else cleaned like, the There blood was up. enough yeah. time for Cole to go to the like the Godswood and then Allison to go meet him like yeah. later that night. So I don't know exactly the timing on that. Yeah. Like Good when point. what conversations were had before the wedding ceremony and all that. And I don't think it's terribly important to know. Like I, I you can you can you can come up with an idea in your head of how it could have worked. But it's like, still very chaotic. Like everyone's like, going yeah. off and like it's not like there's some police force there rounding people up. It's but, like they like, cleared everyone out. With. there and so it was much yeah. later and like allison so the, my question is i guess my question is whether it, it's unclear to me whether allison goes after this wedding ceremony and finds Kristen, and that's what it's intercut with or whether this ceremony is before like, like does allison go save Kristen from killing himself after this ceremony or before this ceremony i'm pretty sure it's during i think during well allison is there oh, allison is? is there behind oh, right oh, here i, like, I, I can put it gone. on the screen right here there's allison okay, next to the right. series mm-hmm. which okay. so it has to be after then I, I yeah that's my thought is that there's enough time for allison to leave and go find Kristen at the godswood and do this whole scene there was enough time for them to sop up the blood they removed the corpse like the, the body is gone everyone is cleared out like Maybe it was before because some amount of time before. has passed yeah um hmm. But they intercut it so that we really can't say for sure. Yeah. But like, how long did it take Christian to get to the Godswood and then go kill and decide to kill himself? Like the timing of it, I'm not. Like, I I think you I think you could choose to say either. Like I think you, we don't have to know the answer. And if it if it makes you feel better that that Allison did this before, then go with that or vice versa. Right? Like yeah, they certainly showed it before, and uh, they I showed think, it intercut think... during to clearly like as part of the ceremony. Well, no, I mean they you know... started showing the tree before they started showing yeah. the ceremony. 
So, and if she's at both scenes, then that somewhat implies the tree scene happened first. But yeah, you're right. It doesn't, like, it's definitely not a sure thing. Yeah. Like there's a it world in which she Kristen... leaves the ceremony and goes and meets Kristen there afterwards. Yeah. 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 It could be that Kristen was there at the tree for a while praying before finally deciding to. And while he's there praying, they're having a wedding. Wedding's yeah. over. She quickly goes there. Where is Maybe because she, she was going to go there anyway, right? Yeah, she, she does go there. That is her through. spot, yeah. sort of. Yeah, and yeah. I don't know that and she happened to be there to already. Kristen there, but she may have been looking for yeah. him. I wonder if she was looking for him because she yeah. knows he's guilty. Like he admitted to her that he was guilty, and then he did that. She may have been able to piece it together. Like, okay, he's all this guilt, then he bludgeons this man. <laughs> it's like she may have just been like, okay, he's really feeling guilty and and suicidal, and that makes him my ally <laughs> because I need allies and I need people that hate Rhaenyra and. I need people that will fight for my children against hers and her family or whatever. And no better place to start than this guy. (laughs) Great fighter that's got a lot to prove and is willing to die. (laughs) Clearly, yeah, that's uh, cynical, but pretty smart move by Allison, really, if you're uh, agreeing with the quality of the maneuver. So Allison goes and deals with that and is like, oh, wow, I should probably go check in on everything. Oh, I'm here (laughs) just in time to actually see the wedding ceremony. And it's a small small amount of people there. It's Lionel Strong, Viserys, Allison, Rhaenyra, and Laenor, and then Corlys and Rhaenys, obviously, but that's really everyone that's in attendance. I wonder if, like, the Lannisters and the rest of the Hightowers wake up the next day and they're like, yeah, okay, they already got married. What? They already got married? (laughs) It's like, (laughs) <laughs> that was supposed to be in six days. Like, yeah, it's all just yeah. go home. It's now. like, damn, I, 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 like, I commissioned the finest of, of outfits for this wedding. Like, yeah, here's my receipt. <laughs> Can I expense this? Will you pay me back? Yeah. For it? Yeah. <laughs> Does the king still want this fancy spear I had made? <laughs> no? He's still again okay. with the spear, Jason. Come on. <laughs> uh, so I do think it's kind of cool what Viserys has in mind here. It's getting ahead of himself a bit but it's neat and it fits with his character this idea of a second age of dragons he's he's obsessed with old valyria he loves history and and of course prophecies too so it's fitting that he would kind of aim for something like this he refers to the first age of dragons as the age of valyria he's not talking about the first hundred years of targaryen rule though he does refer to that separately as the first century of their rule and he's and ushering the next century or whatever but he, he, so he thinks that uniting this two dragon rider houses is a, could be a big part of his legacy, that it could really create a new, kick off a new era of pa- peace and prosperity, even greater than they've already had, uh, with more dragon riders spreading. The, the realm is growing in that sense. It's evolving. There's not just the Targaryens have dragons anymore. The Valarians have two dragons, maybe three. And at this point, that's never happened before. No house has had dragons except for the Targaryens in Westeros. Unless you want to maybe go back to super, super ancient history, like Empire of the Dawn stuff. But let's let's not count that for now, because it may not have even happened. Uh, so so it is different. Like So the realm is in a different situation. So Viserys combining that and hoping it kicks off a new scenario, a new ruling house, a new pairing, all these things, a new era, all these things. So that's um, what he thinks will be his defining moment, something that he's looking for. And his health... We've talked about how Rainey's and Otto have noticed that he doesn't look like the kind of guy that's going to live a long life. He's no fool. He sees that as well. That's why he's thinking about his legacy. He's like, yeah, look at my arm. I don't look like a man who's going to be around a long time. But And he collapses twice this episode, right? He falls over twice at the beginning and at the end. That's kind of symbolic, too. Like, <laughs> the wedding that he... The second age of dragon kicks off 
with a wedding that he collapses at. Is that supposed to be foreshadowing for the success of his yeah. legacy here? <laughs> Falls flat. I was, uh, was going to point out, in addition to Viserys, like the, the reason maybe why they had the, the wedding in that room right there, and I'm saying Viserys because he's about to collapse and he's barely holding together, so he just wants to get it done as quick as possible. But it, it's also not the first time Viserys has set something up that has pretty bad optics. It was pointed oh, out yeah. at the tournament in the beginning, like maybe this moment of violence is not the best way to celebrate the new child being born. Yeah, he keeps having festivities that backfire. Like the tournament backfired yeah. horribly. His wife and son died. He was hoping it would be this big coming out party. The turn, the, Even the hunt, the hunt. backfired. Like yeah. He goes to hunt the white stag, kills the brown stag, and his daughter upstages him. And there's all that other drama, like he's drunk in front of the fire, lamenting all his choices. It didn't go very well for him. And this wedding being held down for him to kill it. Yeah, it was. It was so awkward. Optics were all bad in every way. Same thing here. Yeah, same same thing thing here. Yeah, he he just and they even have a rat show up to (laughs) nip at the blood. Right. Yeah, it's like feasting on the corpse of of their of this regime or whatever. It's plagued or infested. Yeah, the wedding is. You know, yeah. infested. Yeah, that's a good, good. A lot of symbols there. <laughs> <laughs> rats and blood. Rats looking for cheese. Blood. Yeah, you know, there's, there's, there's lots of things going on there. And he wants it to be a celebration that's remembered. He's like, this is a wedding big enough for the history. Well, it's probably going to make the histories, but not for the reason he wants. By the way, I'm sure I'm not the first person to come up with this, but I wonder, will this become the green wedding? Um, it's not in Fire and Blood. It doesn't actually have a nickname like that. You know? Yeah, I mean, like, like, like we should. said, there's a Greens and Blacks tourney. So, like, yeah, I, I, I have seen people calling it the Green Wedding and or other terms for it. Um, nothing is called to me personally. Um, yeah, I'm not I, sure what to call it either. If there's another name for it, it should be the Powder Keg Wedding. <laughs> that was the thought that I had, I wrote in my notes, like, as we're going through the, the wedding, like, every step of the way is just a new a scenario about to explode you know <laughs> to me- and they still like every scene there was like eight of them and like so there's no way this is going to go over smoothly something's going to blow up and it might trigger a bunch of other explosions to me the other significant things of the wedding were the drums that the music going oh, on yeah. and the dragon dance so if i was to try to think of a name for it i might be inspired by those yeah. like the yeah. actual dance, dance of the, the dragon you know, yeah, i don't know I, I, without thinking about it too much but that those are the thing the other things that stand up in addition to the green dress that's pretty um, um, I did want to point out another, like, I don't know, aesthetic, another filmmaking aspect that uh, they've done this several times through the show. When you have a, I don't know, a moment of action or, or turmoil, that suddenly all the background noise drowns out. Mm. All the noise of the crowd and the guards and the clanking and the feasts and that the and when he's like punching Joffrey uh, yeah. on the ground, and it's suddenly all that background noise faded away and the music started to creep in yeah to me powerfully done yeah i think there's a a lot to be said for um the film work for this and how it um emphasized the tension um of the scene itself um they talk about it a bit in the house the dragons built um featurettes i won't get into it too much but just talking about little things like the type of lenses that they chose to use for certain scenes using a long lens versus like the kind of more of like the really close-up lens for like when Kristen was like dissociating and like freaking you know like versus like showing it from like everyone's perspective doing like a wider lens um so there's a lot of 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 work that went into 
um, making it feel really intense and uncomfortable and like something is going like a powder keg, like you're saying, Sean, like something's about to explode. And I think that that you feel that the whole way through, like something. And in addition to the fact that it's a Game of Thrones wedding. And so things often go wrong at a Game of Thrones mm-hmm. wedding. So like the audience is already inclined to expect something bad to happen. And then you have these like drums beating the whole time and like this like weird, like, like feverish sense to everything going on and like this weird dance that they're doing it's like as they just they compared it to like prehistoric birds or like dinosaurs like dra- it's like a dragon dance is where they took mm-hmm. the inspiration so like you 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 get that sense that and, and i really i could really put myself into christian's shoes of like his, his just imploding like i i, yeah, see I was it. gonna say that as the scene was happening i'm like man this whole wedding is like a powder keg and then they got to draw for talking to christian like Kristen's a powder keg all by himself. Yeah. Sure enough, he and was Joffrey is playing with is bringing flame, open flame near <laughs> yeah. that powder keg. It's always a another hard. wedding ruined by a dead Joffrey. Like, this is, <laughs> come on, Joffreys, <laughs> you'll know. Like, if there's another wedding and there's a Joffrey present, just keep your eye on the Joffrey. At least this time, we know for sure who killed the Joffrey. Yeah. But we don't <laughs> entirely know why, just like the other one. It was like, well, what's the motivation for killing him? The, the, the first Joffrey death, it was, it was the opposite. We know for sure why they wanted him gone, but we don't. it's, it's ambiguous who killed him, at least to the, the characters in the world. So let's see. It's super ominous the fact that he's trying to kick in the second age of dragons with like nobody no one's witnessing it they're just these few families are left and just the rats and the darkness like yeah this is a good way to herald in this new era is it a new era of darkness is that what we're supposed to see here of yeah i don't know um you were talking about the music there it was a really really good take the music in general was awesome there were some i need it needs more analysis there was maybe some bringing back of old themes from related to other houses yeah as you see when we, we get all these different houses introduced in house hightower and house lannister you might imagine that there might be some of the motifs um on display there but did you catch when the bodyguard started playing what yeah i mean one nod from lionel strong and break bones just ah. went into bodyguard mode just started beating down shoving people up. away scoops her up over his arms and carries her right out like <laughs> that's pretty heroic man <laughs> like just one I, nod, I, I was... nod to activate that's all yeah. it takes i did want to make sure we hit that that i <laughs> you know that lionel's between his two sons, you know, that it's a good team. You know? yeah. <laughs> He's got the brains and the brawn. <laughs> yeah. Lionel and Harwin both had an awareness of what was going on there, which I think is key, and a lot of people don't, right? His dad like, was already, he was already looking like, to his dad, like, Dad, can I? He's like, Yeah. 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 No. <laughs> should I do something? Yes, you should do He's, something. I saw a funny tweet. Like, yeah, dad. Looking to each other for support. Yeah. <laughs> I saw a funny tweet that was like, Lionel has the ultimate power when he can just go activate large sun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And large sun was waiting to be yeah. like, Come on, dad, activate me. <laughs> he was waiting for you it. Know, so far, they don't seem to be as sinister as the Lannisters, but it is almost like Tywin in the mountain. He just yeah. has this this tool at hand that you have to account for yep. whatever else is going on. Whereas I see it as like the dynamic of, of, of the Jamie and the, the Tyrion, uh, two, oh, if you're comparing yeah. it to the Lannisters, yeah. the Strongs, yeah. Yeah, okay, uh, yeah. it's the similar uh, dynamic. I mean, obviously a little bit different there. I like but. it. Yeah. Also consider the uh, mirroring of, of him 
carrying Rainier out as Allison rescues Kristen Cole from himself not long after. Mm-hmm. It's kind of a role reversal yeah. there where the big burly protector saves the woman where she, the woman, saves the burly protector <laughs> in Allison's case. So that's kind of neat. I don't know if anyone's calling Kristen Burley. Okay, he's strong. Yeah, he's but he's not sad, by no, not yeah. by <laughs> lowercase <laughs> s. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so you do start to see some of these factions forming, like Har- the Star- like Harwin and and Lionel are clearly back in Viserys. Laris is a little more of a wild card at this point, but he's you know part of that family. I'll say I, they. They did a good job at having the high towers in their green and then Alicent in her green stand yeah. out. But this is a case where I get the ambiance, the color graders we're going with, going for. But I'm all, I, if you've been listening to our channel for a long time, you know, I'm a little critical about the color grading. I think they go a little, I think they lean a little too in. So far, this show at least has not had the Game of Thrones issue of if you're in the South, it's orange. And if you're in the North, it's blue. That hasn't <laughs> been such a hard, fast rule, but I did feel like the, the, glory and splendor of all these costumes did not come through as clearly as when I watched the house the dragons built featurette and you see it without this like heavy color grading where everything just has this like murky yellowy green tint and when that's the point like again they're doing that for a reason it's not like they messed up and color graded it in a way they didn't want to they wanted to make it look like this and to give it this look for me personally I would like to see a little bit more of the colors come through hmm yeah but her green did still stand out, even when everything was that murky, yellowy green color. Like, Allison still stood out in her green dress. Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, so, on the other side, well, as well on that side, are you presumably the Valarians, even though, Ashea, as you said, there may be some problems with Lenor and Rainier's relationship now. We'll see about that. Ostensibly, they're on the same side. The green faction looks to be high towers with Alicent. Obviously, maybe the Lannisters are taking that side. At least you might guess that at this point. Kristen Cole is pretty squarely on that side now, yeah. it looks like. The Strongs are split. The Strongs might be split. Yes. Laris is not know. as clear at this point, but he certainly seems to be making friends with Allison. It's not clear why, but yeah, he's certainly making those inroads. No doubt about it. Damon, still a bit of a wild card. <laughs> he's flirting with Lena, who's on the Valerian side, so maybe, and he wants Rhaenyra, so he certainly doesn't have friends on the green side at this point. So that does seem to be more straightforward, at least as far as that goes. But to be clear, he's not really on anyone's side other than his own. I think you could say what, uh, but that side also has all the dragons, which certainly Mm -hmm. has to bother someone like Allison and Otto, but they do have Targaryen children. Allison has two Targaryen children, one, over and over to point out how much he looks like his dad and how his name is Aegon. Aegon the Conqueror, babe. Aegon the right. Conqueror, babe. <laughs> That's his nickname for good, right? He's going to be 60 years old, like the Conqueror, babe. <laughs> Still the Conqueror, babe. Yeah, that's his nickname. <laughs> oh, he's pretty so, babely. <laughs> clearly, dragons could change this picture quite a bit. Is he going to get a dragon? Is his sister going to get a dragon? Will there be more of them? Will be there more kids from Alliston? Entirely possible. You might not think that given Viserys' health at this point, but we'll see. Um, so that's something that definitely needs to be accounted for. Alistair's certainly aware of the weakness of her side in that regard. They need dragons. And if the Valarians have dragons, why not the Hightowers? Why not? I mean, her kids are 
Targaryen first, not Hightower first. They have the name Targaryen, and they have the Targaryen blood, and, and look, Aegon, and Helena. Yeah. They have Targaryen names. So, yeah. Yes, she's a mother of dragons, but they have the name Targaryen. Yeah, I so do wonder how much that has been, like, has there been a cradle egg for her baby? Like, we just haven't seen a lot of Alicent raising her babies. How much contemplation has she given to, like, no, like, I have Targaryen children, and they're going to ride dragons. Is she open to an incest marriage? Or no? <laughs> I mean, you think someone who's down with the seven wouldn't be, but circumstances are changing. She maybe can't have everything she wants the way she wants. We'll see. Um, her What her father's influence and her uncle's influence may as well be important. They may have a, some say or some suggestions in that regard. Keep them in mind, of course. Hmm. Um, yeah, yeah, my mind is definitely spinning about like who might fall on what side. If, if again, I don't fully, I had this vague awareness. It's starting to become more clear to me now that there is this green and black faction, and a green, I'm assuming, is high towers and air allies, and I guess black is Targaryen and air allies. But I can imagine someone like, um, and I always want to make sure I say his name right, Lanor. That's yeah, the Lainor, new king Lainor. consort. Yeah, Lanor. Um, like he might be mad enough about his lover having been killed by Kristen Cole that that, and if he's aligned with Alicent, then Lanor might be aligned against Alicent. Yeah. But like Cache, you were hinting it. What if Rhaenyra also supports Kristen Cole? Would that Briefly. I don't think for the long be upset term. With his own wife over that. Yeah. To be clear, I think uh, Rhaenyra will be like, no, that was bad. But like in the immediate, like, 10 minutes after this Rhaenyra does not know what like I, I th- to be clear I think like what for one night only Rhaenyra sides with Kristen and then she realizes but like in the immediate yeah, but it might aftermath, only take yeah. one night yes. to set a path where he stays on the king's guard I, yeah does he stay her personal guard you know, know. how do they interact on a day-to-day basis there's like a lot of uh, yeah I don't know my, my, I guess I, my question for you Sean is that I'm sorry like you're, you're we're talking about like who's gonna side with the blacks and the greens we've met some other houses now that we haven't even talked about like again you saw Rhaenyra went to Storm's End and has seen the Baratheons we know the Baratheons mm, yeah. are related to Rain. like do you have do you have a take the on Brackens what and the Blackwoods yeah do you have a take on the Brackens some... and the Blackwoods who they might side with not to take too long with it but an immediate thought like Bar- Baratheon black or green no uh, unclear Baratheon black or green I'm gonna say black I, the thing is I think most of my default answers are gonna be black okay which makes it and if the blacks have like all the navy and all the dragons well then how is there even a conflict so there's got to be something else to it. Okay. That's the right, point. Cool. Yeah. And the Baratheon, the, the Baratheons guessing black makes sense because that's, they're related to Rainey's. Rainey's yeah. mother was, yeah. was a Baratheon. Yeah. So that, and they're that also does nearby. They are nearby. Right. And they swore, so, like you saw Baratheon sitting with Rainier yeah. and helping her yeah. with the whole marriage cattle show thing. So yeah, I mean, but there's so many, let's not forget too, there's so many houses just unaccounted for. Like there's yeah. a lot, like this is the whole world of Westeros. The Lannisters are another one. Lannisters, the Vale. We just saw the Vale get sort of involved a little bit. Maybe that yeah. portrait, maybe that foreshadows more involvement. The, Star- the Starks, I mean, there's some pretty big players that, yeah. Ironborn, like they've got a fleet, like that's a whole other fleet that could be relevant. Yeah. So you might imagine that if the, the, the greens need a fleet that they might be like oh well we, we need to make nice with someone who has a fleet there's the tyrells yeah. that yeah the just dorn is not part of the realm at but this could point be an but ally they're still, still relevant they still yeah. have a, an, an army and a navy and yeah, <laughs> money they could still, and, they could still carry the, the reach or the stormlands even without getting involved officially they would yeah. still just be like oh and this that- is our chance to raid that doesn't even count other things that i don't think are likely but they have made uh uh 
bravos yeah and yeah. the triarchs they're part of the story they, you know, they, they there was just the just the threat of a marriage of one of the valerians to a bravosi princess or whatever was like enough to change the political maneuverings in king's landing so they make sense might also get involved with the war well, you're so. totally right that's four of the free cities mentioned already that have already played a role or or at least some small role or peripheral role whatever you want to call it so yeah and there's other free cities that could get involved as well. Kohor and Norvas have been involved as well, but only in supplying new tapestries. <laughs> so we'll, <laughs> we'll say that doesn't count. Well, let's talk about a few random miscellaneous bits, some callbacks, some references, some small mentions, some extra questions that we haven't yet gotten to. wanted to call attention to the Kristen Cole Rainier parallels to Liness and Jorah. Mm-hmm. A little similar there, maybe a little vaguely similar. And Danny, you got to throw Danny in the mix too, because Lanes Hightower goes to marry Jorah, and she becomes very unhappy with this, like, married to this lower station guy living in this remote island when she's used to living in Old Town. And then Jorah tries to get Danny to run off with him instead of doing her whole Mother of Dragons, all that business, and she's like, "Yeah, I don't, I don't know about that, man." <laughs> so uh, he doesn't, you know, flip out on her like Kristen Cole. You know, because it's not the same situation where there's this Kingsguard thing and they have to keep up appearances. They're in Essos already <laughs> when Jorah makes this proposal. They're already, you know, Jorah's, free from those judgments. Jorah is also a little bit more, I don't know, mature and cosmopolitan or whatever at this point in his life. Yeah, he knows you more. Know? Yeah, he's 22 year old Jorah might have acted differently than 42 year old. 22 year old Jorah is the one that married Liness, right? That's when he was. He was about that age, I think, when that happened. Or maybe he was a little older, but still he was. Yeah, he's learned a bit since then. Um, also, maybe not enough. <laughs> yeah, yeah, not enough. Definitely not <laughs> enough. Definitely not enough. Also, some people noticed the Sandor Sansa uh, vibes with Rhaenyra and Harwin Strong, carrying him out of carrying her out of the riot. It's a riot. A brawl mm-hmm. has broken out, and this big man kind of busts through and just plows his way through the the crowd and carries the girl away. Wow. No um, brutal murders after that, but, you know, there's <laughs> I'm sure that'll happen. You know, we'll, we'll see that later. <laughs> we have uh, the statues in the throne room. We have yet to get like really good pictures of that, picture but I really here. like we, they keep there, coming up. up a good shot. Of they it look for super y'all. cool. Yeah. I guess behind the scenes. You got the four and kings. One of the that house that Dragons built episodes, they did feature. Yeah, them that's a why I'm bit. showing it a picture and, of them from there. And the end, the fact they, that it's not, they're not completed. One of them is going to be Viserys, this unfinished yeah. one. Yeah. So that's, that's important. Talk about part of his legacy. That, that should be a, I would expect that to be a plot point relating to that whole thing. Like, how will they portray him and his carving? What will his deeds be? Assuming there's like pictures or pictographs or whatever, something like that. It's got to keep it fresh in his mind, too. It's like looming over him in the throne room. Yeah. Like, his potential legacy, what it's going to be. You can see why you can see why it would be in his mind anyway. But beyond that, there's this constant, huge visual reminder to him. Uh-huh. Uh, Rhea taunting Damon into finishing him off or finishing her off so she doesn't have to, like, starve to death while paralyzed is a little similar. It reminds me of the sergeant who's, burned at the, who's about to be burned at the stake by Stannis and Melisandre who taunts... Um, what's his name? Um, the one nasty knight, uh, the with the pigs, the pig sigil. 
Oh, anyway. Suggs. Suggs, yeah. yeah. Taunt Suggs into killing him, kind of cutting his throat. And you're like, well, how is that a win? He's like, well, he was going to be burned at the stake. So, yes, being, having your throat cut is definitely an improvement over <laughs> being burned at the stake. So, yeah, it reminded me of that. Because that's what she was doing. She taunted him to make sure she, she finished him off, or he finished her off. Um, Fire and Blood, a quote there. There's a, there's a quote that people noticed the coolness between Rainier and Kristen Cole. This is kind of done in the opposite way. I think what people would have noticed was how close they were all the time. And now maybe that is <laughs> that comes a contrast. And I don't know if they'll, since we're having a time jump, there won't be time for people to notice the coolness. They'll just, they'll just not be together anymore. And uh, it'll be more, this was more of a quick result rather than a slow burn, I think. Remember back in episode three, do you remember who pulled Damon off of the messenger he was beating to death? It was Joffrey. And now Joffrey's beaten. Oh, now Joffrey's beaten. <laughs> no one pulled Damon. No one pulled no one Kristen off Kristen, of him. Yeah. <laughs> no mm. one. That dude wasn't there to return the favor. That guy who was—he was too busy rattling off titles to to save anyone. Um, it makes sense Joffrey would be there though, because he was there with Lainor. Yeah, right? yeah, 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 yeah. He was yeah. there. Uh, his nickname also is Knight of Kisses in the books. We also aren't given a reason for that, but which is a lot. Of, he says that he's like, I don't know why people call me that, but I'm gonna guess that Joffrey kissed a lot of people. Maybe I mean, he's, he's before Lenor, obviously. <laughs> of course, the soiled night chapter, Aris Oakheart in A Feast for Crows. Yeah, Kristen literally says, I, "I'm soiled my, you know, I've soiled my white cloak." Yeah, he's very, very clear reference. If you were to reread. A Song of Ice and Fire right now, or we watch Game of Thrones, you would get a lot of Dance of the Dragon spoilers. Yeah. <laughs> Beware. Be, lots of them. Kristen Cole, Rhaenyra, all that stuff gets mentioned. Yeah, yeah. they get a lot of these characters. Yeah, Damon, a bunch of these characters, their names pop up here and there. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Maybe hold off on any rereads if you're yeah. trying to stay unsullied. <laughs> it probably didn't mean a whole lot at the time when you read just random names. Like, I don't know who that is, but it would certainly register this time. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Um, Fire and Blood in Fire and Blood Mushroom says Damon calls Lena almost as pretty as her brother which is what Damon says uh, so Mushroom was right there uh, at the very least and and we did have a dwarf uh, at the wedding which we have in reference and I, I don't know that I think that this is meant to be Mushroom but it's meant to make us think of Mushroom for sure yeah. and the fact that you know, like, you know maybe this is Mushroom I don't know he looks a little yeah he looks a little Lannister-ish doesn't he with that long golden hair <laughs> he kind of looks a little like Jason uh, Even if it is mushroom, they might not continue to feature him through the show. I, yeah, I guess yeah. They might, but yeah. But either way, but, but the nice thing here is that again, you can choose to believe. Yeah, this was mushroom, and he's sometimes playing music around, and he's seen different things happen. And uh, yeah, you can fill in the blanks yourself without us seeing this guy ever again. You can you can choose to believe that he's been around. <laughs> in other words, uh. so again, yeah, just sticking with Jason for a minute. It's so funny to me how unfunny he is, given that, like, Tywin, Jamie, Cersei, and Tyrion are all funny. <laughs> they all make have great comedic lines, and this guy is just really not funny, but he thinks he's funny. <laughs> he's funny yeah. to me. He's funny because he's not. Yeah, funny. exactly. Yeah. He makes he's, he does make me laugh, but I'm laughing at him, yeah. not You're laughing with at him, him yeah. not with him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> totally. The line about preferring goose versus duck and all that, that's kind of from Fire and Blood 2, Grandmaster Melos, when they bring up Lenor's orientation, because that's, they, this is negotiated at the small council. It's open, it's not 
a secret in the books that Lenor is gay either. It's just something people know about him. And they're like, oh, maybe that's a problem. They bring that up. It's like, okay, this, this everything about this match is great, except maybe Lenor isn't going to have kids with Rainier. Maybe that's a problem. And Melis is like, ah, I don't like fish, but if fish is served, I eat it. You know, it's like... <laughs> I don't know if that's really the right metaphor there. Melos, I think it's the right but... <laughs> metaphor specifically fish um, in this case. But, uh... Floppy fish. Yeah. Uh, so, oh, no, different you don't like bananas, but if a banana is served to you, would you eat it? No. <laughs> I, think you, I think you would if you were starving, though. Okay, yes. If I was starving, I would, I would, <laughs> you would choke eat it the down. Banana. Yeah, you what would... if you were thirsty? <laughs> no, I would not. I would not drink the banana. <laughs> So I do need to remind everybody the bananas are feces from Satan. That's why I don't like them. So it's very rational that I don't like them. So he's wrong. Two out of three of history of Westeros is, is in favor of bananas. <laughs> so that's thus we can say history of Westeros is in favor of bananas. <laughs> <What>? I quit. <laughs> yeah, you, y'all mentioned musicians a minute ago and talking about the maybe mushroom, the proto mushroom. Yeah. There, the music was so good. Yeah, the way they incorporated. Like in-world music, there's, it's different from the theme music that's playing behind. This was in-world music that's very fitting. It felt like Westeros music, but it also felt like music from a different era, which it is. It's not the same era as Game of Thrones. It's 200 years earlier. And they did have to provide music and have music for the dance when that yeah, was happening and yeah. for the actors. So on set, they did actually have music playing. And the actors were like, yeah, it really added to this like real and eerie and tense feeling. Perhaps my favorite catch, this wasn't f- by me, it was a hat tip to Maddie, who is the runs the Girls Gone Canon Discord and has written some great stuff on A Song of Ice and Fire, House of the Dragon. Uh, they say that um, the Bravos reference of Bravos, a plant from Bravos growing in the garden, which Laris uses as his metaphor to talk about people being out of place and finding their way, it could also be interpreted as a finger to people who... Don't believe lemon trees can grow in Bravos, even though there's plenty of evidence for it against the Danny <laughs> theories there. So that could work as a little like, aha, see, lemon trees can grow in Bravos. More evidence. <laughs> so if you know, you know. Yeah, it's one of those. I'm too unsullied to know. Yeah. <laughs> uh-huh. Yep. Yeah. One day, one day you'll get there. You'll see what all the brouhaha is <laughs> about. It's a sa- it's a theory as sour as the lemons on which it's based. <laughs> so who else are we saying goodbye to? We're saying goodbye to Millie Alcock, Emily Carey, Theo Nate, that's Lenor, Savannah uh, Stein, who is, uh, or Stein, I don't know how to say it, S-T-E-Y-N, that's Lena. Definitely didn't get to see enough of her. <laughs> R.I.P. to Joffrey Lundman. That's Solly McLeod. Obviously, he's gone too. We won't be seeing any more. Yeah, of him. I just want to take a moment to shout that out. To shout that death out in particular, because like, I just want to just make a statement about it. Because like, I get that people are tired of seeing queer death on screen, but I just want to emphasize like, this is a show where everyone dies, including the gay people. It isn't. <laughs> it isn't to me. This is not a barrier gaze trope when just everyone is gonna like so many people are gonna die but like i get why people are on edge about the idea of like oh this is a gay character that was introduced and he just is killed um so i just wanted to take a non-gay character was introduced and killed exactly exactly like ray royce that like so i i may have been gay it's possible yes she may have been gay gay too too. you're right you're right um but 
still like i i get it if you if you feel that way your feelings are valid i hope it's not enough for you to stop the show because we are i think going to get other canon queer characters eventually who aren't just going to be killed and some who will be killed too because mostly people die here and he wasn't killed Uh, for being gay i don't think people think that no no they don't think that he was killed for being gay but it does speak to like a certain there's a certain level of just being tired of seeing gay people constantly killed on screen. Like there, people are the, their tolerance is low for that because yeah, of yeah. other media. Right on. But again, I think this is not a bury your gaze example. This is just yet another person in this world who has who has died personally. Yeah. But I I don't want to uh, invalidate if you were very unhappy with this. Like I I, I think there is an argument to be made that. There should have been more, there should be more time spent on Lenore's pain over this. And I don't think that that's the chance of that is gone. Like we'll cut to 10 years later and maybe Lenore is still like upset about like, maybe just he'll because- name one of his kids after. <laughs> yeah. 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 Like, but still the point remains that like, just because we haven't seen it yet doesn't mean they're not going to still do some service to this relationship and, or that they'll have another chance to do more with a uh, yeah. queer relationships. Well so, said. Well uh, said. Anyways, but RIP to Joffrey. I know people think you were smarmy, but I think you were just confident. Yeah. <laughs> I, 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 people really don't like Joffrey Lonmouth. I've seen like a lot of really negative comments really? about him yeah. being like too cocky, too confident, <laughs> smarmy or smug. Oh, well. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> okay. Any last takes, y'all? Ashea, any last things to say? Sean, anything we missed or that you want to do? We did get a we super get chat from okay. Karen Sita, a banana emoji. Aw. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, that one's for you too, not for me. <laughs> Thank you, Karen Cita. I appreciate it. Anyway. <laughs> I'll take any flavor super chat, even though, because I don't actually eat those. <laughs> yeah. So, of course, again, we'll be here Wednesday for a Q&A. It will be a spoiler Q&A, so... Keep that in mind. We may decide to schedule a non-spoiler Q&A if there's oh, demand for that right now. I think the, the demand oh. is mostly for a spoiler-filled Q&A, but y'all weigh in with that if you feel differently. Yeah, so yes, Wednesday, before the jump, spoilers go. Uh, I, yeah, it just seems like if we're going to let you guys ask questions, we should have all spoilers. So weird. Yeah. Were there any other actors I missed that we're not going to see again? Um, I don't think so. I mean, there's mm-hmm. other ones that have already moved on. Yeah, other ones that have already moved on. Um, I mean, yeah, I guess we should say... That's Baby baby Aegon and Helena. I forgot to say, uh, what's her name? Rachel uh, Redford. Or, yeah, that's Rhea Royce's... It's so confusing, all with R's. Rhea Royce of Runestone, played by Rachel Redford. Or Redman. Redford's the name (laughs) in the veil. Redman. Wait. I forget her name. I've already forgotten her name. Anyway. What? Who? Wait, what? What? What did you say? Rhea. Her, the actress's name. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Rachel Redford. Or Rachel Redford. Redford. Yeah, that's it. Which is okay. it's easy for me to remember because there's a house Redford in the show, in, in the series. That's what I was just saying, and yeah, I thought exactly. maybe I was wrong because I'm yeah, like, wait, no, that yeah, can't no, be but, it. Yeah, it is, uh... <laughs> but it's the same name. What about the... Hmm? Oh, go ahead. No, you go ahead. What about the the spy, the little kid that was a spy, if they're going to jump forward? Oh, that's hilarious. Major Elise, who be a character. Or get a, that's too like funny. Yeah, you have to, all the little birds grow up and graduate. I'm sorry, they're little worms in birds. this show. Little, big worm. Yeah. No, they're little yeah. worms. Big worm, he grows up to be on that movie Friday, right? <laughs> big worm. <laughs> big perm. Yeah, that's what. He grows up to move to... Uh, 
Where no. is that? Is that South Central? I don't know where that takes place. It's just it's in some hood. I don't know which one. <laughs> I also mentioned our synopsis. Make sure you check out that. A That'll good be way out to later. keep everything straight. Yes. And of course, our Dance of the Dragon series with Radio Westeros is a great way to dive into the book version of this. Four episodes are out as of now. The fifth one is pretty soon to be coming out. Thanks to y'all who attended live. If you're catching this on replay on, say, YouTube or on Spotify or iTunes or Amazon, appreciate that as well. Thank you to Michael Klarfeld and Bran Winslow for our video stuff. Thank you and for our music as well. Thank you to Kevin McLeod and Joey Townsend and Jesse Koval for all that. Thank you to our Patreon subscribers and our Spotify subscribers for being loyal uh, regular supporters of the show you mean a lot to us it's so cool uh to have you all on on our side we'll be back on saturday as well as wednesday as i said our usual saturday stream the wednesday q a and of course back next monday with sean for another spoiler free review after the time jump for episode six do we know what episode six is called yet um we do but i forgot okay so. well, we, well, we, well we we we, we yeah. do know you could people could google it and find out but i personally <laughs> forgot oh no is it is it the princess and the no, queen no i i don't know i don't remember after all. anyway check out our friends direwolf city tonight they were on as guests this saturday and of course their regular streams are at 8 30 on mondays so it's about that time yeah check out radio Westeros on tuesdays and we'll see you all again soon for more coverage of House of the Dragon. Until then, you know what to do. Valar reread us and Valar rewatch us, but watch out for spoilers.